0: Well, welcome to, the name is still in progress, but I think we're going to, well, what I came up with was Records in the Attic, the pop cast. a new podcast featuring myself, the pop addict, Malik from Black Music Archive, and Jada from Dion Warwick Archive. Hey, you guys. Hey. hey. Hello. <laughs> So, you know, let's just get right into it. Some hot topics for this week. How about we get into this candy, Latasha versus Escape versus Bravo versus everybody? Who has the catalog, Escape or SWV? SWV. Yeah, I was, yeah, SWV. I thought it was like hilarious because I just started following the official page of SWV and they had uploaded their billboard stats. (laughs) (laughs) Really? And and I guess they just went three times platinum for a week. So they uploaded them holding (laughs) platinum pack. They also uploaded their Spotify stats.
1: Escape is one of those groups. (sighs) I don't know how to describe it, but you have some artists who were like, can go platinum because of like one region alone. So Escape has never done, from my understanding, they haven't done much work outside of the South. Like they got the South, that Southeast region on lock. And so that's where a lot of their successes were, uh, where SWV has always been more, more broader.
2: How many, how many um platinum records, if so, or even like Go Records do Escape Hat?
1: Um, they've sold nine million records total. But they have three albums and each one of them has been certified platinum.
2: Oh, I thought th- they have more than three albums. No.
0: No, actually both of them only have three al- well. SWV, I'm 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 talking about prime golden era, because like the
1: '90s. Okay. They both only have three albums, unless you count SWV's Christmas album. Mm, I wouldn't count that.
2: Mm. Those, so, that's like a specialty album, right? And they so have a remixes. Like, people don't really EP. pay attention.
1: Yeah, they had a remixes EP that went gold as well. So,
2: which group just got a tribute? Was that escape right? I'm trying to figure out which where? show was that. I think mm. it was the NAACP. Oh, no, escape. Was, was I mean, yeah, there trying. is Escape. Soul Train. Was it Soul Train?
1: Mm-hmm. And Latasha came in the green when everybody else was wearing white.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: so true. Oh, they yes. They made a whole mess that. about that. Who, who tributed them? Who sang? They um, did their own tribute.
0: Well, you know, no one said, I think, I think it's honestly, Candy and Tiny have done a lot for the legacy of Escape, holding it up on reality TV for, you know, over a decade now, they've been on reality TV. So I think that can't be ignored. But, you know, I don't, I don't view them as a drastically different caliber then it's then you know SWV you know what I'm saying?
1: And it's just like and they yeah. keep trying to say, well escape putting asses in the seats, escape putting asses in the seats. Well escape is also on the on the ticket with seven other people. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> they all they all come from the same place and they're all doing the same thing at the same level. So mm-hmm. like I think it's just between the two groups they're trying to like make themselves appear are different from one another, but it's only causing too much conflict in there. <laughs> they're well, literally on, playing the same views to the same people.
1: Well, on the show, uh-huh. Escape is trying to make it seem like they're bigger than SWV. That's why, right. you know, and that's where the conflict is between the two groups. And they're like, y'all wanna headline the show or or y'all want to close the show that's fine but don't keep trying to downplay us you know like we're not nothing because in the last episode tiny said well y'all go on stage wearing overalls and flats <laughs> <laughs> that's nasty. she said we that's we that's nasty. <laughs> she said we come on, we got a little bit more production so with stuff I like
0: mean, the production is
1: like, but
0: like that's the production is like that much more at most.
1: I mean, it's just they got a little bit of LED light with that play up that play a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> it's sort of like Anita it's still a PowerPoint, it's still <laughs> you, a PowerPoint, not Anita.
2: Did you say Anita?
1: Because <laughs> you don't need to got <laughs> them them half screen yeah. LEDs and mm-hmm. they just be going like this. That's what escape got. Yeah.
0: I've gone and watched the 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 videos from the Great Escape tour. They aren't doing that much. Let's be honest; (laughs) like they aren't doing that much big. I've seen well, I've seen SWV live because they were they actually opened for Toni Braxton when she was on tour for the As Long as I Live tour. So I've seen them. That was just a basic generic production, and. I've seen the videos of Escape. They're not doing much bigger. It's still a DJ in the back and a projection screen. So no, no live
2: no band? No live band?
1: Mm-mm. That's something I've always been interested in and it's just like how do the girls get that live band arrangement sound or whatever with no band?
2: I think they like Go into the studio and produce the track for the mm. live show, and then they just have the Probably. DJ play the track.
1: Mm.
2: So that would cool. mean that there's no like, there's no budget for their live shows. No, because like honestly, it costs a lot of money to produce a live show. So if they don't have money to pay a band, like even if it was just like a four, a three or four piece band, that means that the budget is very small. That they could only do the best they be can
0: with what they track. got,
2: right? So my thing is, if they if they if they're in that same predicament, <laughs> there shouldn't be any type of like
0: y'all both go on you know, the same talk shows, the Jennifer Hudson show, right? Tamron but Hall but yes,
1: but who got the performance? SWV escape? <laughs> I said no well, one to hear what? Latasha. Oh.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, Tasha. See, my thing with Latasha is I think she believes her voice is worth the estate of like Michael Jackson. And oh
2: yeah, she
0: yeah. Now Tasha can sing, but you know if there was an award for doing absolutely too much every time, it's going to go to Tasha.
1: Okay, I stand corrected. I knew I wasn't tripping. So, STLBV, still be the, they do play little their their latest show. Um, last week in Tampa, they had had a band, yeah. They had a show here? Yes, and a band.
0: Damn. See, they need to promote their stuff better, because who be knowing about these shows? Sherrod,
2: if they can't pay for a band, (laughs) they can't pay for marketing and promotion.
0: (laughs) What does it cost to post on Instagram that you have a show in the city?
2: Okay, this is a thing, like social media is just one sector right not everybody is on social media to see all of that stuff all the time that's true like
3: pro- i do believe promote, that. like
2: there has to be an appeal to the people who are off social media or like to the appeal of people who like aren't on there all the time to get their news like we do mm-hmm. you see mm-hmm. what i'm saying like especially in their age demographic like my mama is the same age as that and she's not on social media like that like she rather see it in front of her like hearing on the radio or see a, a flyer on a billboard as she's like going to work or something like we have to factor in that type of marketing as well because one social media is very oversaturated we have ads going around like every five seconds so even if somebody is on social media all the time their timeline is oversaturated so they may miss mm-hmm. it and then see it like a week later you know after it doesn't happen so like that part of marketing has that. to be right they got but a little three know.
1: piece band situation a guitarist or I don't know oh. if that's a bassist but it's a somebody having a guitar a drum and a keyboard a little basic situation
2: see that's fine <laughs> so why why can't they have that on this tour?
1: Let's see what Escape has. They just did yeah. a short last. Unless
2: week. they're all sharing the same budget, right? Or do they have different managers?
0: They have different. Well, I management. also heard it was something with Escape has a higher booking fee than SWV, mm-hmm. and if they're co-headlining, then that brings down the booking fee somehow.
1: Yeah, something uh, like yeah. that. I, I,
0: I I get that. But, um, I'm also like, if it's a pride thing, why don't we, there are so many artists who are like, who they might have, they might be bigger, but they might have a bigger artist open for them. And they categorize it as a very special guest or featuring blank. They don't say blank is opening for me. Like, Like when I saw Mariah and Lionel, they were doing a tour together, but Mariah kind of just hopped on the tour. So it was Lionel's tour with very special guest, Mariah Carey. So she was basically the opener, but she's Mariah Carey. She's not opening for anyone 25, 30 years in her career. And the same thing before Doja Cat had her throat surgery. She was on, she was gonna go on tour at the weekend. But mm-hmm. you know, even though Doja Cat is a lot newer than the weekend, she has a lot more exposure. She's a bigger artist now, so it wasn't I'm opening for the weekend. Um, you know, it was the weekend after hours tour featuring Doja Cat. So I'm like, if it's that big of a deal, how come we can't just have the, another Great Escape tour featuring SWV right. with very special guests, SWV? If it's a pride thing. Why must
1: they open? Because they did tour together last year. They did a show on that Great Escape tour. Escape opened technically for uh, well, they were one of the acts in the show, but it did say featuring or special guest. So I don't know why that's an issue now. Because there is power in words, you know. Mm -hmm. But my thing is like, when
2: did when did opening become so offensive? because if we look outside of things like popular spaces like R&B and pop music artists and stuff like that opening it was it is never an efficient thing in other genres like okay. it's, it's it's sort of like a friendly thing like oh she's opening for I don't know Lionel Richie mm. or she's opening for Tina Turner like that those that that was never like an offensive thing. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm going on tour with you know one of my biggest heroes, or oh my gosh, I'm going on tour with my mentor or something like that. But like when did it become offensive to be in an opening act?
1: Well, and that in and, and just thinking about that, even like outside of pop spaces, or even in like comedy or something, you know, nobody really wants to be the first person to go on stage. You know, people traditionally don't want to be the first person to go on stage because that's a lot of pressure. Cause you set the tone for the night. You have to be on, you're just the opener opener. is just as important as the person who ends the show. So I never understood what the big deal about being, you know, an opener was. Well,
0: I think being an opener has a connotation of uh, just new to this newer acts open for bigger acts i think that's what the connotation of opening has become so i get that swb opening it's like they've been out the same 30 years that escape has been out you know they've outsold escape you know so i get that just because of now that's the definition opening has taken on you open for like one of your like chloe and holly opening for beyonce on the on the run two tour you know it's something that a junior artist does with a senior artist nowadays
2: But like if we're talking about peer tours like swv and escape what about patty labelle opening for gladys knight or gladys knight opening for patty labelle What's the difference?
0: Today? Well, I think in that case, you don't call it opening because, like, like I said, I think the definition of opening has changed. They're just on tour together. And mm-hmm. you de- they decided who was gonna go on the docket first.
1: Because with that, with uh Patty Gladys and Stephanie was Patty and Gladys featuring Stephanie Mills. So Stephanie was the opener, and then Patty and Gladys were technically the co-headliners.
2: So it's a co-headlining thing, and not
1: necessarily mm-hmm. a yeah. Because it's okay. Patty and Gladys. Well, something I'm really interested in is the fact that none of these girls, none of these groups, none of these R and B acts. or a lot of R and B artists generally can carry a show by themselves. Y'all never noticed that? Because, like, you wow. look at R and B. Like, es- Escape, like I said, they're doing a um a tour now. They just did the show last week with, like, five other people on the docket. The Escape set was only 30 minutes. But you go back to, like, all the 80s, 70s, 60s, r and acts, you got six people on the stage and they're all doing 20, 30-minute sets. And it's like, why can't none of them really carry a show out on their own?
0: It's just class. the market, I think.
2: Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, it's the market.
1: But it's just like, do they not I get mean, enough like, material to do it like a show? Well, I can say probably but for SWV SW, ma- SW and Escape, Escape,
0: they have three albums worth of material from the 90s, and that's what people want to hear. They probably don't want to hear anything that was produced after that, after they did their initial breakup, let's be honest. I mean, I enjoyed Cosign from SWV, but I'm not sure the girls know that from that album they released in the early 2010s. But, yeah. you know, so that's limiting as well. Then you have to think, like, people have short attention spans to things. People remember the hits. So, like, if you're not a big artist who has a plethora of hits that you can fall back on, um, then it's I think it's hard to carry a whole show by yourself. Because the general populace is going to come to your show, probably don't know every album cut. You know, you what don't you have a, you don't have those deep cuts. stands rooted throughout the country like you do for big big artists.
1: Well, I mean, I guess for me, it ain't even about an album cut, but it was just like, why are these R artists always? you know, lumped together on a tour like it's Noah's Ark. You know what I'm saying? I like, it's think, always but... six of them, seven, <laughs> eight of them on it a tour together.
0: But, like, think of somebody like, okay, who's always on an R&B docket tour, like, that we Definitely probably know. don't know as well, like Monica. Oh. Yeah. Can you name from her probably, I think her album era where she had the most success was you know the start when she start? like 95 94 and then mm-hmm. probably maybe up to like so gone era i want to say 2002 2004 It's probably her yeah. prime peak selling days how mm-hmm. many of those albums can you go back in one name two name song, multiple songs on it that aren't the singles and are there more than one hit on those
1: albums i have no idea I mean, okay, she had a little 10-year run. Cause I can tell you basically everything, something. Well, I know basically the singles up until Makings of Me. That's the one that has every time the beat drop, that sound that went viral onto every time the beat dropped.
0: But you see how we were kind of all a little stumped? like
2: well that's that's true
0: so yeah. like to think that a person and you know not to knock their artistry or any of those albums that's not what i'm trying to say but like you have to think do they, that means they really don't have the catalog to maybe do a hour and a half mm-hmm. two hour show that the general population maybe outside of atlanta would come to
2: but that's another thing too cuz like When we think about them being lumped together with others, that means that they heavily rely on the general public instead of their core fan base. So that means their core fan base are not as uh, in tune with their their music outside of the local hits. Mm
3: -hmm. So
2: they don't have a really... Hardcore fan base if if that's the case that they're relying on general public for sales for ticket sales and album sales
1: because correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like I only noticed this this I'm gonna call it I might do a video on this I only noticed this cattle touring with black artists yeah you know like I don't can't really think of no no white artist um
2: Unless you count like Tori Kelly, and like that whole brand of artists. Who else is with Tori? JoJo, Tori Kelly. Don't they all? Don't they go? Aren't they lumped on tour together?
1: Or are they the special mm.
2: guests?
1: No, JoJo. Well, JoJo's kind of R and B. JoJo tours on her own. She can she can sell out a venue on her own. I didn't know that. Mm.
0: But honestly. And but honestly, maybe these R and B acts could do it. It's just you wouldn't be able to do it at an arena, and maybe you wouldn't even be able to do it at a theater. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have to do it at like just smaller venues to do something like blues. that. Like a, the, a show yeah, house, city like, winery yeah,
1: and they're closing some, a lot some, of. You know, down. some
2: people get offended by that. It's like that's another thing. Like some artists. They don't want to play those kind of venues because they feel like, again, it's offensive to them. Like if if, if you're core band base, if you have one, if they all can fit in the city winery, if they all can fit in the House of Blues or like, you know, like a small jazz club or a supper club, then why not play it? Like, I don't understand that like everybody can't play an arena everybody can't play a theater everybody can't play a music hall everybody can't play a community service gym room like you have to it's okay to be i don't know like what the word is but like it's okay to be intimate it's okay to be small we don't all have to be so big and And some of us don't even have that kind of appeal
1: because even at mm-hmm. their best, neither one of those groups were doing uh, a tour by themselves. It was still, it would be like SWV, Jodeci, maybe guy. I mean, yeah. it was still four, four or five people on that docket. You it's know.
2: like the modern day chitlin circuit.
1: Essentially, basically. If you want to yes. be honest,
2: it's it's like that. Except like with you had higher booking TV, fees. You had Gladys Knight, right. You had Patti LaBelle, La- the LaBelle's. You had Dionne Ward on those. Cases. You had Sam Cooke on those on those uh, marquees. But the difference is between that and the modern chick- chicken circuit is that, like, those artists were able to branch out on their own.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: the folks in the modern sense, for some reason, can't do that. And that's
1: that's an interesting difference. I, yeah, I'm going to write this down because it's a video idea.
2: I'm trying to get <laughs> really, back to like idea.
1: Well, because I mean, I've been thinking <laughs> right about that because <laughs> I've been thinking right, about right. that because it was just like I just could never verbalize or put into words why like. I've only noticed it with Black Axe. It only seems that they can tour, unless you're Whitney Houston or Aretha Franklin, but whatever the case may be, you can only tour if it's like five, six of y'all together. Like, it low-key gives Motown review. Mm -hmm. Like, these these kids, these girls are only working, instead of the Motown review, it's the 90s R&B review. That's the only reason y'all stay working.
0: Like, their, say, their music sales don't really reflect being able to hold tr- bigger venues. So it's not really surprising that they couldn't do any of these things on their own and that it's cheaper to go in together. And then you can draw in. Maybe you can raise the ticket price a little bit because you've got, you know, you've got Tamar, you've got 112, you've got... uh uh monica you've got brandy you've got actually i think brandy does most of her touring on her own
1: Mm -hmm, but tevin campbell Um, he's he's just stayed specifically on those 90s because he's on the tour with escape right now and taylor i mean
0: i have to think tevin campbell like think about tevin campbell himself whenever you see a video of tevin campbell there are always a group of Negroes screaming can we talk in his face that Nothing and that's else. the that's seemingly the only song they know. Yeah, that's the biggest song the general public know. They won't even sing "Eye to Eye." You know what I'm saying?
1: Like, <laughs> I mean, we no. around and round is right there. Tell me what you want me to do <laughs> is right. Yeah, <laughs> only thing I see like is can we talk or this is Whitney's baby? Yeah, I just I. Yeah, I'm going to do some research because it just don't make no sense to me. This is, say it's 1993. We just went, I went platinum, you went platinum. Jada went platinum. This is like SWV. You released all of them platinum and gold singles and the album, but you still got a tour with four or five other people.
0: Well, if it's, well, okay. In this example, they're still there in their infancy era. Mm -hmm. So they would need someone else to support them. Mm-hmm. So like if you're in your debut era or maybe even your second album era you're still going to need some help with the touring. You're still going to need to get to open for somebody to maybe group with a couple other groups to get people to come and see you. That's the part of I guess those early years are really essential for solidifying your base and your you're not only your music buying base, but your touring base. So people are like, "Oh, this is a show to come see. This is a vocalist to come see." Like Mariah Carey didn't tour for, now her situation is a little different, but she didn't tour till her third album. Mm -hmm. We don't know if people would have come to a tour just based off the first. It did go diamond, but we don't know. You know, Whitney toured, but her venues were a lot smaller on the first tour than it is the exponential leap it went to on the second tour. Because people were like, oh, snap, Mm -hmm. I got to see this. After, you know, and that was after, you know, opening for Luther first, Mm -hmm. he did that first Mm -hmm. smaller venue tour. So it's like if they didn't have that type of footing. And also those type of hits, you have to have, Mm cross. unfortunately, crossover is just you have to have that type of appeal to have a a, a real solo touring career. You have to have a crossover appeal because we love the black dollar, but. I'm not sure it goes as far as we would like it to go. It don't. And, and we see that I. with,
2: <laughs> we see that with SWV and XK. They were marketed for that particular demographic of people. The people who mm-hmm. live in the projects because that's where they grew up at. People who are working class people, like the demographic matters. And that's why, because they're so stuck in that demographic they can't move out anywhere else. And so that's why they're sharing the same bill. And that's why they don't have a production for exactly. production budget for live bands.
3: So.
0: Did those people have <laughs> the money to go back then when they were, when they were on the grinding stone? Did those people have the money to go see them? But right. if they you didn't, compare it to exactly. a white artist's debut era, did their white parents maybe buy them the ticket to see that artist?
1: All I'm saying is, like, I have a uh, uh, what is it? I have like a little magazine clipping, and this, um, it's Melissa Morgan, the year's like 86 or 87, so she's big, she's big right now. It's Melissa Morgan, Freddie Jackson, Melba Moore, and maybe two other people. You have five, I almost said that another word, you have five people on a ticket. <laughs> And guess, oh, yeah, say, <laughs> and guess what venue they play? You can say this on my channel. And guess what venue they play? What? The Apollo. So you telling me that one people. of these girls, one of these artists, couldn't have sold the Apollo out on their own? That's a twelve hundred seat venue. You just have you have a gold record, and you couldn't get twelve. Yeah. And who was have, it again? Melissa Morgan? Melissa Morgan,
2: Elba Moore, Elmer, Freddie Jackson.
1: Um, and it was like two other people. And so they're all pretty hot you, right now. Yeah, what year is this
2: again? 80? 86, 87.
1: So all of them are hot. Like.
0: I would just assume it goes back, right back to who we're talking about. The demographic. If you're going to get yeah. black people to come out, you're going to need a bang for your butt. <laughs> mm. <laughs> And these joint tours give black people a bang for their buck. You mm-hmm. get to see all of your favorite singers and they're going to be singing mm-hmm. their hits. Yep. They're not going to get those. And that's also an important part of it. If you're not doing a solo date, those, the general public who, w- who, may be co- who might be coming to your tour are not going to get to, maybe not get to connect with the rest of your music the way that they could. Because that's another method of getting your album. Not just, you know, uh, the, you know, I'm so into you or you're the one, not just getting that one played, but getting, you know, those those backroom records that are really good, but, you know,
1: maybe aren't heard as much. That is a good that is a good point, because I have heard different artists say that black audiences expect a lot more and they pay a lot less the gospel girls would tell you about that that's why they go get that christian contemporary check. <laughs> shout out to cc that's so right true there. that is so true. <laughs> yeah we're on her way there too and I, you know what i ain't mad at it if the clerks want to do i want oh the clark's gonna be here this weekend i need to buy a ticket to that <laughs> <laughs>
0: One thing I will say, the Clarks will promote, will make a post about, I'm going to be here. <laughs> Saints, come on out. That's all I ask. Because yeah. SWB just hurt my heart that you said that they was in Tampa last weekend. That hurt my heart. Because Coco, you can't make a post on your Insta that you, that, that you going to be here. I'm not even talking about like from a, that's just a basic promotional thing to me. You make one post saying, "I'm here." That don't have that. That won't reach everybody. That shouldn't be the only thing that you do. But hey, it would have got to me. And because I would have
1: bought a ticket. Because sometimes what, what people do or what she does, I know her specifically. It's just like sometimes, say Jada's the promoter, and if Jada posts a flag, Coco will just share it on her story.
0: That's not good enough. Not enough you people. Know, Sto- story views are a lot less than your posts. You know, yeah. stories
1: can help because a lot
2: more
1: That's another thing. Why would you want? Why would you not want people to come see you? See, but you know, that's neither here nor there.
2: I don't. I don't even think that it's that they don't want people to come see them. They don't understand the importance of social media now. Yeah. because but they come they from that age yeah but who are their managers they're the same yeah. age it's not older than them Yeah. like there's no yeah. way Moore managers should be this, almost the same age as her there's no way that her manager's numbers should be on Instagram you see what I'm saying <laughs> like the etiquette is not there <laughs> the etiquette is not there and the knowledge Of how to navigate <laughs> Social media When it comes to promotion When it comes to You know Putting forth a I brand I mean in Melba Moore's is not case there.
0: I get it And I was actually Going to say this earlier The girl When we're talking about Opening and all that stuff And or Playing smaller venues The girls need to have The spirit of Melba Moore Melba will play you A banquet hall Melba <laughs> will pay, play you A church rectory. <laughs>
1: Melba just booked the (laughs) telenovela. Literally, Melba stays booked. Kelly Price,
0: who Melba, I'm booked.
1: And Melba also just booked the booked the stage play down at the down at Absinian. It's called Drama in the Church.
2: (laughs) You see, the thing is, she she's not too good to get too well. Not too Melba good to said, do that.
1: "Melba said, I'm. Melba said, I ain't afraid to work. You're know? not afraid hey, to
2: work. Not afraid. New of New York nothing.
1: City rent is high.
2: Mel, it don't matter if Melba was performing at a soup kitchen, she would promote that with every fiber in her being, and she will be so proud and happy to be at the soup. That's the spirit that we need.
1: Like <laughs> Melba, you." Listen, as Melba says, soup kitchen, banquet hall, front lawn. If the check clear. <laughs>
0: I'm there. If I'm the there. check clear, And my, if the check clears, because Mel, I have seen Melba say, I've, I've seen that post where she was like, the promoter <laughs> did not follow their end of the deal. Yes. And Melba <laughs> is a business woman. So the date is no longer happening.
1: And Melba and posted and, it in big <laughs> bold five Melba, As she should, as she should. One of my favorite posts of Melba should. was her last week said, "Uh, it was like a last year. She posted a picture of an empty, city winery, and she said they're interested in booking me, but they said they'll only book me if y'all show interest and <laughs> that y'all come." And I was like, "You know what, Melba? Ain't no, ain't no." She's shade. so
3: true. She
0: is so true. The girls need to take their social media care. cues from Melba. <laughs> she might have she might have her manager in the bio. But Melba promotes because <laughs> Melba knows. See, because if Melba has a show near me, I'm going to know about it. going. <laughs> That's all I got to say. And I'm going to go. It's because like- <laughs> you have no choice but to stand that woman. If you follow her, you understand.
1: And
2: then the thing is like, it's not even just her promoter. Like she knows how to get folks engaged. Because if she didn't get folks engaged, she wouldn't know if they were gonna be interested in her playing at the city warning. So these poses are really good because they invoke engagement.
1: Listen, Melba got her first gig of the year when she got that gig at Yoshi's in San Francisco. (laughs) Every day for a month. Remember?
2: <laughs> <Every> <laughs> day. Yes, I remember.
1: I'm, I'm playing Yoshi's. Get your ticket. Posted yes. a picture of her it and Dion together. It not play. Posted a picture of somebody else. A reposted to me. Don't forget I'm playing and did. Yoshi's. <laughs> she had that whoop wig. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: yep. <laughs> uh, she knows that that's a pickle. Get likes. And then they'll see the description. And it's not even about what's going on in the picture. It's about my show.
1: Remember the and meme such a date. Remember the yes. meme that said, "Looking and checking yep. the ticket sales for my show." <laughs> <laughs> a
2: masterclass. You know, she she understands. A for the That's, she understands because she
3: understands. <laughs>
0: There's no shame about it. Melba jumped think- right in. You know yep. It's not perfect Social media It's not nope. Completely aesthetic But she jumped Right in And mind you I'm gonna say that Not only is Melba Active on her page Moba's in people's comments She's in the Shade room comments She's on Gladys Knights nice, Diana Rock She's on these comments With her blue check She's
1: everywhere She was under Latasha Scott's live Said is this for real Or is this for the show I kid you not Yep Melba <laughs> <laughs> Melba <laughs> Mel be in the know <laughs>
2: and do and do everything and everybody
0: that's just that the girls need the spirit of Melba from (gasps) old to young they gonna see me (laughs) she's in what she's in her own fan group on
1: Facebook yes
2: I forgot about that peach Melba (laughs) more
1: yes oh Jesus oh my goodness okay okay that that was a long topic oh my god what's next on the (laughs) dokey
0: well um i guess we should slide right into um let's let's talk about chloe's album how did we we all listened um i'll say i'll say well you know i'll give my thoughts first um i only liked two songs and I don't remember the rest of the album after listening to it twice. What do y'all think?
2: I think, uh, okay, so I agree. I only like, actually, I like three songs. And that's, hold it. on um, No. I like Body body Do. Mm-hmm. I like, um, what is it? Make It Look Easy. That's a really nice song. I like that song, and I also like. Well, I will say two and a half because I like "Told You," but I only like the last minute of "Told you. That like mm. that if you remember, like that production switch up. Um, but as a as a whole album, I don't I don't like it. I like Go parts back. of things. I like I like parts of things. Like I don't like things holy, if that's even the word. Like, if you take... What's going on? was that? That's a shame. It's not memorable. And we listened to it more than once.
1: I listened to it twice because I was like, I'm going to save what I like. Like, I'm a hearted for the conversation. So I only like two songs. That was Body Do and Someone's Calling
0: interesting
1: That's the we all intro. like body do hmm? someone calling was
2: the in- right we all like body do
1: I, but you know you all- know
2: what it is
3: uh-huh.
1: body do almost got a chop for me because the i could have done without <laughs> the intro.
0: you ever the feel intro. like somebody's i was so confused. Fucking your man? <laughs> what what does that have to do I mean, I I guess if you listen to the lyrics of the song, I get what it has to do, but like, it just doesn't match the vibe. Mm -mm. We should have just came in on "Mm -mm -mm, nobody like this. Mm -mm -mm, Nobody like this. Like,
1: take them last chords of someone's calling. Mm -mm, Yeah. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm.
0: So my two songs are Body Do and uh, Cheat Back but i have some caveats about cheap Bat. i heard it and thought um this is single material i know this is going to get pushed as a single cuz i didn't know that there was already a music video and stuff for it when i listened to the album i saw that the next day um that it was already out um There's a it video gave me irreplaceable cheap, right? vibes yes um, that's exactly that, what i wrote down it's very close. The, the guitar rift is very close to irreplaceable. And I guess that's what we were yep. supposed to hearken to. Now, yep. my problem with it, now it sounds better on the live version she did on Jimmy Kimmel, because literally the night the album dropped, she did that on Jimmy Kimmel, um, cheat back. The problem with the album version is the production sucks. Like there's there's a mixing issue. Like I wish they would go back and raise her vocals. Also, future just kind of comes out nowhere, out of nowhere. Like there isn't a clear demarcation. Oh, the the chorus is over. Here comes a rap verse. There isn't any. It just he just starts talking. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. So I'm not like that's why I'm not in love with it. I like it. I'm not in love with it because the production is a problem. And I actually think the production of the album is a problem for me. Um, especially I don't
1: know if it's the production or like the song or like the songs itself, but it feels, sans a couple of songs, it feels a tad um, dated. It's like very theory. 2014. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: It's like the production, I get what y'all saying about the production. And then, like, sometimes the production is good and then the lyrics are bad. And then the other others, like, the lyrics are good and then the production is bad. And the song that I was looking for was um, "Hard on My Sleeve. Like, I like the chorus of the song. I don't too much like the production, but, like, I don't like the lyrics of, like, the verses and stuff. Like, and then also, like, some of the lyrics does not make sense. Like, mm. we go from... And also, the lyrics are not diverse either because we're we're stuck in like this this fuckboy music, right? It's like this toxic. The whole album is fuck this talking nigga about
0: music, and I don't understand like, why that's every song on the album.
2: Yeah, and, and makes it makes the theme and the songs a little bit repetitive. It's like you just this is like the same song as the one before, just in a different style. You know, like where's the where's the diversity in the theme? Where's the diversity in the lyrics? The production, there's the diversity there, but sometimes it's questionable because when we put the lyrics and the production together, sometimes like it, it never makes sense. Like the mm-hmm. they sound like two different songs to me. And I get that feeling with um what's the song? What's the single she had out before this album? Um Treat Me. It's kinda like Treat Me. Treat Me mm-hmm. sounds like three different songs in three different sections. And that's how this album feels with every single song, except for the songs that I like, like Body Do. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> Body Do, but, I have to give it to her on Body Do. Aside from that, like yeah. five second intro, Body Do mm. is current, which is something I can't say for the rest of the album. It's yep, because it's it's making use of that, that thing where we're bringing the 80s back mm. in, in today's music. It's got that house music feel. It's got something that makes you want to get yep. up and dance. The lyrics aren't really serious, mm-hmm. but you know, like it doesn't,
2: it doesn't, doesn't to have be, to be really nothing fun.
0: It's it's not <laughs> something too deep. And it it's fitting into like what she wants to do with the album, because these are fuck that nigga anthems. But You're right. you know, it's not like gratuitous, you know, in a way. Like, like how does it feel with Chris Brown? Lose you lose me right mm-hmm. there. You, yeah. you instantly exact that instantly took me to 2014, and yeah. honestly, that sample—that's a Dion sample. Yeah, and yeah, one Dion did it better. One, two, Usher did it better.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And on throw because throwback is kind of like I'm thinking if you're going to use that sample, you have to do something as iconic as what was done on the yeah. Confessions album with it, right? Like, and right. then even even her on the end where she's singing um she's harmonizing with herself and she's singing the the melody melody to as the outro there's something yeah. off about her harmonies that i can't really place it's like something i don't really like about it we were talking and that's about this another the other thing, day like
2: like just going back to like the part where like the mixing in production some of the songs feel like demos like, it feels like she mm-hmm. recorded them once and was like, oh, well, this sounds good for this album. So just let me go ahead and mix it after this. Like, that's what it feels like. And also, like, back to Body Do, with it being probably the only song on there that sounds new, there's an element, like I said, at the end of Toja that kind of mirrors the same kind of vibe and feel that Body Do has. And I wish she would have tapped into more of that kind of like, how would you even describe it? It's like electronic, dancey, poppy kind of thing. And I wish that she would have tapped into that sound for this whole entire album ex- instead of standing in 2014 R&B. Like, because this album, Chris Brown could have yes. sung this whole album,
0: and could have. It would have sounded better Could have sung that
2: whole album. Drake could have did that album. Like, you know.
0: I don't know if she's pigeonholing herself into the R&B genre and like, so I feel like black artists get cased into doing R&B and like, I don't know if that's just her passion, whatever, that's just what she's feeling. Obviously that's what she's feeling. She reads a whole album like this, but I think we need to, like body Blue is more experimental versus the whole album. You know, like, That's why it's so interesting. That's why that's the only song we like in common. And we kind of like the one other song that we listen to. Kind of. There's something we like, and then there's something we don't in it.
2: Back to the point about her pigeonholing herself into like this R&B kind of thing. If we look all the way, I don't know if y'all ever like listened to Chloe and Howie in their debut days, like 2013, Mm -hmm. 2016. 2016, um, Sugar Symphony. That, I love that album because it was very experimental, very alternative pop kind of fun-loving kind of music. And to see the them transition, even with Ungodly Hour, to see them transition from that alternative pop sound into mm-hmm. R&B, pop sound, progressive, whatever the hell you want to call it, it's interesting because I think that there was a very big decision that they had to make in terms of which genre that they were going to put themselves into. Because when we consider Black people in alternative genres, they rarely sell as much as they do. Not even just selling, but like rarely get as much as an attention than Black people in no. R&B. So I think that's where... That's where her kind of, I don't know, <laughs> the, her headspace is with this album, trying to find a demographic or an audience that she know that she could always rely on when it comes to music. But at the same time, it's, she's that. also alienating the audience, some of the audience, because I can't speak for all of them, some of the audience who love that alternative pop kind of sound that they already had in the beginning. Especially, we see the alienation when she collaborated with Chris Brown. Like,
1: mm-hmm. which which record uh, has um? Uh, I got money everywhere.
2: Uh, the kids are all right.
1: Yeah, that that's yeah, that's when I was like, let me pay attention to these gurus, and that's that that uh record was actually the reason. Why I ended up buying on awa and why I was had high hopes for Chloe when she said she was stepping out solo, and I mean I wasn't expecting her to like not be her own artist or just make that kind of music but by herself, but it's just like continue in that same vein of like sort of like an azalea banks like if you listen to an azalea banks record you're going to get uh a a variety of textures musically a variety of colors it's like a palette of different flavors but it all sort of kind of goes together you know sort of like a chloe and halley because we see you can do it so for me this was just missing uh, missing on a, uh on this record, it felt very K Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> RSVP.
2: What's, it, what's her album called? RSVP. VSOP. V-S-O-P. <laughs> V-S-O-P. yes.
3: That's
2: this exactly what it felt like. He could have done this album too.
0: <laughs> that's all I thought she was like, and it would have been. Album. And I think that's another thing that somebody else could have sang this album, and it would have been believable. I think that's the thing, because I don't know if y'all saw the post. I sent you this post on Instagram, which was one of her promotional ads on Instagram um, and for Chloe's album in pieces. Um, And I was like, look at the comments, because all of the comments are constantly saying, and this is what Chloe has gotten ever since she's branched out from Chloe and Holly, is that it feels inauthentic. This doesn't feel like this is actually her, uh, you know, oh, they got her, like, you know, the music powers, that be, yeah. whatever, um, you know. And I think it's, and I think the inauth- inauthenticity is what is most evident with this album, because, you know, you listen to I haven't listened to all of Chloe and Allie's music, but I listened to The Kids Are All Right and I listened to The Ungodly Hour and you felt development and growth with both of those albums. Now, I feel like Ungodly yeah. Hour leaned more towards the R&B side of things, but it was Which very okay. interesting. It's okay to lean towards R&B. We black, because
2: the what difference we is, That's
0: our base for a lot of people.
2: Right, but the, the difference with the R&B that's on Ungarly hour is that it mixes with so many different elements. Like we got like rock not- and R&B mm-hmm. with Tipsy. Um, we got the the urban. I don't, I don't. I don't. like saying that, but we got the urban R&B with Do It. We got
3: mm-hmm.
2: um traditional, not 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 entirely, but traditional R R&B with um. I wonder what she thinks of me. You know, like different. Mm-hmm. Different levels of R&B and how R&B could be infused with different elements of music. That's the difference between ungodly R&B and, and pieces R&B. And pieces R&B is one kind of R&B, and it's not the good kind of R&B.
0: <laughs> it's not. It's no exa- exactly because like, and I have to think of like like ungodly hour the the single itself like it's a giant, it's like a giant standout track for the whole album because yeah. it mixes, you know, it mixes R&B with like an indie pop sound. And honestly, and then all of the visuals that came out of um, that era because they had to be so yeah. creative with the performances for COVID and everything. And I think COVID brought out the best out of a lot of artists, to be honest, because they had to, to yeah. rebuild how they market themselves to people and they had to do it from mm-hmm. home or they had to do it from a studio. They had to focus solely on the music. And, you know, what am I bringing to this visual? Because these people are not gonna be able to come and see me. And if I'm gonna make some money, yeah, I right. need them to buy the music. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like, I remember the VMA performance of Ungodly Hour in 2020 and I was stunning, amazing. Like, so mm-hmm. I think it's hard for someone who came with those expectations You know, because it's hard for any any solo act to come from a group. It's just hard. Mm -hmm. But to be so drastically different from the self you presented and to come off as inauthentic to so many people, you need to maybe take heed of that, I think. Not just be like, oh, you know, I'm being me. And, you know, that's, you know, the haters are going to hate. I do believe that. But some people are offering you constructive criticism.
2: Especially some of the fans. Like, I've seen that. I've seen that for some of her fans. Like, what was the video that she had out? What's the song?
0: Um, You talking about Loving You?
2: No. The one where she was in, like, this this motel room.
3: With the guy.
2: Yeah, surprise. I thought some things were like, okay, so when are we going to get you, you know, when are we going to see choreography? When are we going to see like other elements of you other than you just grinding on somebody on the couch? You know, like some of the visuals, like going back to what you were saying during the pandemic, how they were very creative with their visual aspects. And then you kind of see her just doing this one side of visual. If she's not popping her ass, she's popping her vagina you know, in the camera frame. If she's not doing that, she's grinding on somebody. Right. Covered in lube.
0: (laughs) The lube and I think Treat Me is the one where she's just covered in lube. lube.
2: Yeah, she's covered in lube. Like, how do we get there? Like, this hypersexual image, it's okay. Like, I understand, like, if you're a very sensual person, that's one thing. But now I feel like, I don't want to say, like, it's not her because I don't know her, but, like, there's there's a line between being very sensual and then va- being someone who's playing into this hyposexualized image, you know. I'm and like pretty- you're going back to what you said about like it not being authentic. Like we can see that it's not authentic because look how hard you're grinding yourself against this camera frame. Like there's no way that you think that's cute at all. And then some sometimes like that hyposexual image does not like. It doesn't align with the music or the song that you're singing about. And I always go back to that Nina Simone uh, performance because that really got me. That really got me. Because feeling good, I never got any sort of like sexual, you know, sexual feelings about feeling good. But then now you're you're popping your ass on the floor to feeling good. Like, how do we get here? Like there's like a, a big disconnect between the visual elements and the music that you're singing. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Like, and, and the, it became a meme and not in like, not in like the divas way where we have memes and it's funny and we love them for that. Like, and a meme and like, this is really cringe. Like why yeah. is she grinding like this to this song? The extra moans that are, a song and.
2: about the civil rights movement or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> why are you twerking to a civil rights song?
1: It, it's like the song is about hope. And I just remember she went on there in that yeah. bedazzled bodysuit and was doing no. This is a
0: purple road. look. This is a purple crop top and a one? purple short skirt.
2: What, what, which wait, which prefer- one is this? Is there a new one? Because I'm thinking about the bodysuit. Yes. Yeah.
0: The body suit. Oh, 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 oh. No, I'm thinking of the wrong song. Yeah, yeah she was flipping um, I, I know what you're talking us, about because feeling good was an actual performance. I'm thinking of loving you. That's what I'm thinking of.
1: Oh, yeah. yes, when she was in the seat, like
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure, yeah, and I'm pretty yeah. sure loving you is about it's sensual. Uh isn't it about Maya Rudolph's? Isn't it about it's Maya It's about Rudolph's? her
1: baby. Yes. Isn't it about her yes. daughter? Yes. It's not about fucking
0: it's, you. Yeah. It's about loving her it's, baby.
3: It's
2: about Maya. But like I can see where the interpretation could get kind of like.
1: Like I can see that too. But feeling good that. but feeling good is a yeah. sit in sync or a stand in see. It's a sit and sing. It's a because we it, all it remember Jennifer Hudson
0: in that Weight Watchers commercial <laughs> and every time you'd have to turn the TV down. We remember that. But that yes. was an interpretation of feeling good. That it worked. It worked like it made yeah. you think about that that thing, and it wasn't ridiculous. You know, she's right. belting it out soulfully. But it's it's not it's a soulful sound. With though.
2: the core message, it's still mm-hmm. aligned with the core message of having hope.
1: With and hope, for that you're Weight having hope
2: right grow you or know, a new change yeah. in your life
1: and i just remember being on twitter that night and like everybody was offended that she did that to that yeah. so
0: yes know. because like, like i've seen chloe get my,
1: cooked so many
0: fucking times
2: yeah but that, some of some of the some of the comments were kind of like really otherworldly but like the other ones I feel like those were healthy criticisms because this is, and it was on Juneteenth, right? Like, no no way.
1: (laughs) Yes, it was on Juneteenth.
2: No way you're doing that.
1: (laughs) In front of the ancestors.
2: (laughs) In front of the ancestors. Because this was brought, this is a, this no, because literally this was a special, a Juneteenth special for television. So you got all spectrum of ages watching yeah, this. God. And you had the audacity oh to grind on the floor to feeling good.
1: The Nina like, Simone, on, oh she's going to be here this and month.
0: Shit. And and that's the whole reason I was not surprised with what I got on the album because every everything that yeah. we've seen since the breakup of what well, like the hiatus of Chloe and Holly has led to this moment of dissatisfaction.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: We were edging That's to so nothing. Are y'all are we gonna go see her on the tour? I see the tickets are forty dollars. Chloe.
0: No. I mean, I'm not I don't like her that way that. to do that. I mean she's not coming like, no, anywhere Chloe... in my home, so no. Oh, well, cause you'll be I, up here the tour. Me? Won't and she's you?
2: gonna be singing songs from Possibly. in pieces. So, like, I don't really like the album, so I won't go for the tour about the album. You see what I'm saying? Like,
0: I'll <laughs> I will mean, be content with watching I don't, I don't a performance. I almost don't like any of the singles. And, mm. I and would you know like that's another thing with that.
2: I was like the singles that she released before this album. I, were already i didn't like them so i kind of i was kind of hoping that maybe she would like start from a bored or something but she did not deliver and she
0: did and it didn't work
2: yeah
0: like because none of the singles so, are like let me think let me look at the album again to be sure but none of the singles that were on the album are on yeah none of them I were, mean, that were released except for Pray, Pray It Away, which I mean, we knew Pray that was it. the lead single, which if yeah. that's what you chose for a lead single, I already knew what to expect for the album. Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. But like, and, the but if she not know released- how to choose a single.
3: <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: if she would have
2: released Body Do, like if she would have released Body Do as a single, like that would have gave away like the best song on the album. So there would be nothing else to look forward to
0: like the only thing that makes sense as a single to me from the things I remember is, I mean, the Chris Brown one makes sense just because Chris Brown is on there. So maybe you'll get people talking. I understand why that was released as a single. It's not a good song, yeah. um, no. but I understand why that was chosen. Yeah. <laughs> um, the cover art. Now, I would have either okay. released Body Do as a first single or maybe Cheat Back because it has Future on it. And maybe that would help sales just because Future is on it.
1: But I think that's um, what the Chris Brown single was supposed to Cause you know, adding Chris Brown to as a little feature generally guarantees you about a, a nice top 20, top 10 uh, hit. At maybe least on the Missy R&B Elliot.
0: Hot Singles chart. I think I think she was aiming for the R&B Hot Singles chart with um with that one the R&B and hip hop chart. She couldn't have been aiming for the pop chart with that <laughs> single.
2: And radio and, and radio airplay.
0: Urban radio. Because airplay.
2: we already urban radio airplay because you know they play Chris Brown all the time. So that was that was a good urban radio play. Um,
0: and I
1: so guess- maybe what was she thinking by doing a feature with him? I mean, I'm sort of pretty kind of with, candid with, with uh, Chris Brown, because that's like, I'm sort yeah. of kind of, I'm not a Chris Brown fan, but I'm knowledgeable enough in social media to know, like, he's, especially sort of kind of as a woman, you know, right now, he's sort of kind of an untouchable. So, like, what were you expecting? I don't know what she was. Expecting.
2: Yeah, I don't know either. Like, the
0: backlash <laughs> was like imminent. <laughs> <laughs> like, like did and
1: nobody- it was not even
2: just with her. It was with Normani too. And Normani, did she sing? No, she was. I think she was just a uh, a dancer or like a teacher in the video or something. But like, my thing is like, he already has a lot of bad press to attached to him, right? Morally. And
0: unfortunately, you so don't, don't have think enough that... star power to manage that.
2: Exactly. And that's my thing. Like, this is your debut album. Why would you come out the gate with somebody who is a has a negative, a negative image right now? Like that's not what you need, especially for this first album. Especially for a first album.
1: It's like, where was Beyoncé Just be like, take a minute, girl, come sit down <laughs> and let me tell you what's <laughs> for- <laughs>
3: Down what's been happening.
2: Another thing is the cover art for the album. Horrible. It's, you know, like, if you act, like, if you act as if you didn't, heard have, you haven't heard the album already, and you just look at this photo, right? And it's supposed to be a photo that's attached to an album, but you haven't listen to it. You would think that the theme of the album, especially with the way that she's dressed. Um the, the I guess that's a heart, her heart and in, in in her hand. You would think that she would have some kind of sonic throwback or like some sonic fusion of some classical element. And you know the only mm-hmm. song that fits this visual art is
1: someone calling i thought body do was the only song that fit the cover art because it's just like this very electronic robotic because look at the the glaze on the face is a very Uh, you know it's a very like you're saying with that as well and then the the heart is not a like a like an organ it's like a uh uh science, not not science, you know, like a made in a lab scientific, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. So I if I looked at this, i would be like, okay, body do matches this, and but not everything else. But then um, why are we not putting title names on the albums anymore? But even still, that is sad. That's like a that's like a little minute detail. The title of the album is in pieces. Where's that? How does that title connect to the material and the themes on the record?
2: I think it's because majority of these songs are just about her being, you know, done wrong by this.
1: And then, how album. does the title oh, connect to the cover art?
0: And let's talk about the title for a sec, because and and the just. Overall theme of the album, because like we, like I said, this is fuck nigger fuck mm, these fuck these Niggas anthems. That's what the whole album's about. Now, when you listen to an artist like, let's say, Mary J. Blige, you can hear the struggle in every part of the every part of the project. You can hear it in the gravelliness of her voice. You can hear it in the you know like. It's almost a cry. It's a moan. It's a, it's, a, it's a struggle, you know, I, I'm living through this. Nothing about this album gives, I've actually lived through this. And that's again, where that inauthenticity piece comes through. It comes through as just somebody singing the songs that they were given. And I I actually didn't look at the credits to know how many of these songs that, that she wrote. She
2: wrote majority
0: of them. I she know. did.
2: Yeah.
0: It sounds like she wrote them for someone else. Like she's not singing them like they're her material. There's no connection to this. So like it's like if every piece of this project feels like it's in pieces and it belongs to someone else. Where are you in this? Where is Chloe, the artist in this? Because I hear I go back and listen to Chloe and Holly. I hear Chloe and Holly's artist in those records. I hear the artistry. I'm not hearing a connection between the title and the music. I'm not seeing it on the cover art. I'm not because the the preview art we got for the album was better looking than the cover art. Let's be honest. Yeah. And also, again, mm-hmm. this goes into her fashions. One, what the fuck do Chloe be having on? Like, I don't know. Did y'all watch that video I sent of her on Jimmy Kimmel singing Cheat Back"
1: with the black yeah. and like silver. So with, with the, the black
0: right? and the like. I have nothing almost headdress and like what do you have on? Yeah. What what, are, what, and also, what what's the connection to the art? What are we giving?
2: And also some of the dresses like in the other the other um, um photo shoots for this album, like this, what she has on in the cover, we don't see this kind of thing going on throughout the, the other
3: Egg. photographs. Exactly. Like we got
2: like this leather I think there's, I think it's leather. There's one where there's leather, and then there's like, uh, what do you call those things? Strings attached to them, keeping her boots together and her thighs together. Like Mm
1: -hmm.
2: it's there's no cohesiveness with fashion. The girls need to
1: learn how to commit to an aesthetic. Beyonce Mm -hmm. put her it in the every day.
2: For, yeah, for of 2009
1: <laughs> for that for that soccer Years, yeah.
3: Sasha,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. My Christina Aguilera got her ass up and put them chaps on every day for, for every performance with for, that for dark sure.
0: makeup. Made sure that, that hair was greasy and black
1: <laughs> with a <laughs> i like,
0: A like Made sure it was n- natted and the, nappy the every
1: girls day. Me to commit to the eras like they don't do that anymore
2: in this age it's hard to keep attention on one thing it's hard so that's why like after somebody releases an album they already got another single out that has nothing to do with the album and the album only been in the market for a good three months after the tour is done after the video is 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 released then they start to move on to something else and I think because we live in this era where like attention spans is not as good as it used to be. That's why everything keeps moving forward and forward and forward. So, of course, it's going to be hard to be committed to an era, committed to a piece of work. And we and even so, seen that with, Aubrey, with her, Ariana Grande when she released Sweetener and then she had some other album out. So, like, it's hard to keep now, people with that, attentive.
0: see, that's a little different from this. Because Sweetener and Thank You Next is something in your life fundamentally shifting and then your perspective on love fundamentally. This is coming from listening to our music,
1: like the Sweetener
0: and the Thank You Next era coming so close to each other. There was a like when she broke that engagement with Pete Davidson, that's something a little bit different because Thank You Next came out of a spur of the moment like. This is heartache, heart wrench, and I'm turning it into something. I'm turning away from this Sweetener album, which is supposed to be my engagement album, the, my like love of my life album. Something drastic has happened. So that's that's a little bit different from okay. the yeah. microwavable culture that is with these albums. Now, if we're going to the pop girls, I will say, I don't know if y'all listen to this album, but I gave it a listen to because of... One of my little white gay lamb friends, they harped that I listened to this album, Dua Lipa's um, shit. Now, what the fuck is the album called? Because oh. it's not called Future Nostalgia. Mm-hmm. It was just escaping. Oh yeah,
2: Nostalgia. yeah, I listened to that song.
0: And she had, and it's being hailed as one of the best pop eras in a long time because this era lasted for three years. It
2: did. It actually did. I think
0: that's so interesting. Did you listen to that album?
2: Yes, I did. Yep.
0: And I think in today's day and age, for a pop girl, she's very interesting to me because she has an interesting, you know, uh, 80s retro sound. I don't think it's groundbreaking, but I think there's enough behind it to make it something a little bit different. And that's something you don't see within a lot of the girls. Uh, They do have that kind of micro, they have these microwavable albums that you can throw away after snacking on it for a couple, for a few morsels. And Future Nostalgia, she wrote that out. We had visuals, we had performances, we had cohesion. We had the makings of a true pop star in that era. And I think more what
1: the girls have to get back to.
2: It was very like creative. You,
1: I feel like you don't need to have a good album to have an era. You know, like, you just you don't need, need to, a good album? No. You know, I mean. Why do mean, you
2: say that? Because I think you do need a good album.
1: I think, like, era. think of how many Terrible records have done well. I mean, have done well commercially, and they didn't rush to put something out. Like I'm trying to think, like for example, going back to Christina Aguilera, Bionic was a flop, but she committed mm-hmm. to that era, the sound, the look, the aesthetic, and all of this that in the four, and you uh-huh. know, and it's just like. It's the reason why we remember that album still, but it's just like the title don't match the music. Yeah. Outfits don't match the cover. It's just like nothing, nothing, everything Uh, is in pieces. Nothing works together. (laughs) So it's just like, what are we supposed to take away from this era? But it's just like, for example, people consider Sasha Fierce Beyonce's worst album but she regardless yeah. of what everybody thinks, she committed to that and we can you can put a picture in front of all of us today and we'll be like oh that's Sasha Fierce era it had that yeah. song had that song this song came out from that time and I feel like we're gonna look at this in pieces record and we're not that's gonna know because at the end of the day we're living in this era where everybody's a brand and, you know, yeah. if you're a brand, you need something that's identifiable. And I haven't seen anything from this Chloe as a single thing and even like the music and the accompanying performances that everything connects back to what this album represents and will represent.
0: Unfortunately, the yeah. only thing I can associate with this album and Chloe is Pussy pet that's the only thing that I can associate with her. Like, I and that's the only thing that's cohesive and consistent because everything else is literally all over the place. Every single that was released up to this place or up to this point is all over this place, all over the place from treat me to which, which is kind of like a hyper, Pop fusion with R and B to uh surprise, which is just your typical R and Ho uh song. Um R and Ho. Like it's just it's just it's like what you is know, that? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like surprise, slam my panties to the su-. and yeah. I know this music because I have I have attempted to listen to everything Chloe's done because I want to so so faithfully
1: believe in her. <laughs> but you know what's even wild? Chloe has 6 million followers. Mm-hmm. She only sold 10,000. She's only going to sell 10,000 copies or in her first week. That's what the sales projections have said. But We know nobody buys albums, but how did you not leverage those listeners to at least stream the album? Like, how do you have that big of a following that is just so disengaged with your music?
0: Well,
2: I think I'm looking at the numbers now. The only because followers
0: have never conflated to streams and sales
2: yeah but then again but that also that also tells you like she doesn't have a fan base really people either hate listen <laughs> this is true because you know how things go viral just because people don't like somebody and then they just mm. you know
1: like the rap but they girls. either
2: hate yeah they hate listen or This is local people just trying to figure out what's going on. And looking at the numbers right now on Spotify, besides the single right away, and how does it feel with Chris Brown, how does it feel has 12 million, right away has 6 million. Um, Body Do has 1 million and everything else falls short of, they're not even at 500,000. Besides mm-hmm. cheap back,
1: which is at nine, nine nine hundred thousand, and then so, I'm looking at uh the YouTube because um, you know, that goes counts towards sales. Yeah, she's averaging about 50 to 70 uh, 50 to 70 thousand a listen. So it's like because the most listened to song on from the album that's not a single is. Worried? No, no, no. Sorry, it's Toja with one hundred sixty nine thousand. So it's like? What's going on here?
0: Which is that's the most listened to on Spotify with besides the singles. is Toja. It's well, Toja. Yes, at three hundred seventy eight thousand.
1: Like that is, mm-hmm. <sighs> and
0: it's it's kind of sad. Um. And no, I I mean, okay, someone made this ar- argument on Twitter and I was like, okay, that I can see what you're saying with that. And maybe this is a learning experience. They were talking about how Janet Jackson's first two albums are not really the sound that we know janet jackson for people don't know that music they don't you know the debut album was contrived from you know joe the label whatever and when she broke away from joe and decided to do what she wanted with control you know that was a different sound and it took off now this is also a different situation because chloe seemingly has more control over this album then Janet definitely would have had in her first two. Well, Chloe says so. she
1: EP'd the project. Chloe wrote the project. And she these are words from her mouth. You know, she just mm-hmm. posted a video five hours ago on her YouTube channel. It's an interview of her talking about how she, this is her project. So no, 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 this is not it Would we say these are growing pains? Growing pains? I was
2: just going to ask, do you think we're expecting too much since this is the first album? Are we expecting too
1: much? Are we expecting too much? I mean, we were, I wouldn't know if it was too much. I feel like we're expecting a level of artistry that we were getting from the Chloe and, Chloe and uh, Holly. Uh, I don't think that's, we were, we had certain expectations and this just was not it, you know. And I,
0: I hate to always compare her to someone else, but I mean, Chloe and Holly, Coming from Holly, whenever we hear an unreleased Holly track, um, it sounds exponentially better than anything Chloe's released. It sounds true to, and it it makes me think, and it kind of sounds, it does sound close to Chloe and Holly. So it has has me thinking like, is Holly more of an influence on Chloe, like when they're a duo, than necessarily when they're apart? And this truly mm-hmm. is Chloe, that like the maybe yeah. the brains behind the opera the musical, you know, chops behind the operation is Holly on the back end when we when yeah, we're yeah. listening to those projects. Because like when I've heard, you know, uh oh, what's that snippet? What's it? You know, they don't really have names because they're all unreleased because she's in this Disney era that's about to launch with the movie. So they haven't done any solo music.
1: This era about to be nasty. I already know.
0: I'm like, I'm really thinking that the focus will completely shift towards Holly. Like after this Disney era, these unreleased songs that we're that we're hearing are culminating to a project that's going to be released on the back end of the Disney era, on like after yeah. we gained all of the popularity from it. I think that's the makings for a huge star, and I think that's and, maybe what the girls were thinking they were going to get with Chloe.
2: And to be and just to say this, we're not putting them against each other. No, because every time we have these criticisms where we compare them a lot of people feel like we're putting them against each other we're not putting them against each other we're comparing them because one they were a group and two yes. they are two different they' are two different people and we can obviously see that they have two different orchestries. so I just wanted to say that
1: I'll see <laughs> so these. nobody
2: thinks that we're being.
1: Mm-hmm. I think when I look at Chloe, and when I listen to this album, it, it sort of kind of feels like a premature, look at me, hey, I'm over here, look at me, hey, I'm over here, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because it's just like, to go this extreme with the with the sexualization and all of this, and to just completely change the direction of the music, you know, that's... That's also to sort of kind of establish your own, I guess, identity, completely separate from what people know you for. Because remember, uh, Miley Cyrus did the same thing.
0: And she didn't receive. She she received flack, but she didn't receive the type of. I think I think she's getting like Negro shame for some of the sexuality. You know what I'm saying? You know what
1: I'm yeah, saying when I say that? Yeah,
2: it's totally different. That, yep. I, I definitely understand. But, you,
1: but I've noticed what the girls like to do is whenever they need to change their image, the quickest thing they go to is sex. So Christina Aguilera from the debut era, she went straight to strip. Mariah Carey went straight to butterfly. Chloe went straight to whatever this is. A lot of these girls. Beyonce
2: went straight to Beyonce. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, just
0: kidding. Well, no, no. Some of I don't those think examples. You, I know.
2: I said I'm just kidding. Some I'm of those, kidding. those
0: examples don't make sense because Mariah didn't go straight to Butterfly. Beyonce didn't go straight to to Beyonce. No, I mean now, like this no, right? is what I was talking about the other day. Actually, is that. Chloe doesn't have the growth towards sexuality because Mm -hmm. I think it is a very natural thing to Mm -hmm. It's a natural human thing to grow towards your sexuality. And Mm. it's a natural music thing to grow more into your romance. You're experiencing Mm. men, you're experiencing women, whatever you do. And you are having sex more. You might fall in love. Those things come naturally. It goes from like the bubblegum era where it's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. teeny bop to, ooh, hot, wet, sticky, nasty. But it's a gradual <laughs> ascension to that. <laughs> like, yeah, we, we start in a play. Like, Janet didn't start with would you mind. Janet mm-hmm. didn't start there. You know, for all intents and purposes, we say, Janet, start with control. Now, Control is also somewhat liberating sexually, but we have, it's still teeny, but we still have uh, Let's Wait a While, you know, Funny How Time Flies that are about those like, I'm nervous, you know, but we're we're building up with each album and then she's reached her sexual peak and this is actually happening in her life, you know? Mm -hmm. With Chloe, it's been lube, wet, pussy, Padded, all these things in rapid succession, and we haven't had the growth to
1: sexuality. It took us. It took us ten in ten years. Madonna went from like a ver- it's literally ten years from like a virgin to erotica,
0: and that's essential sens- sensible progression. Yeah,
2: you know what else we're we kind of we forgot about. That whole gunna thing, that gunna relationship she had, whatever, whatever the hell that was. I feel like that whole situation got us to where we are, especially with the M.P.S. album, because it was—it's like we know the kind of person that Gunna is right he's he he mm-hmm. put he put himself out there as this fuckboy. boy and then now we have in pieces where we have fuckboy music like there's a color, there's a correlation here but i just don't know how to connect the two
0: because we don't we're not privy to that part of her life wholeheartedly right
2: that's it's the music yeah, that gets yeah. us
0: there but yeah the, well one it isn't good music so it doesn't translate to us that's no shade that's no hate this is something that you just got to hear like if your shit is whack your shit is whack somebody should have told you that in the studio somebody at the label should have told you that
2: you know yeah yeah i mean like some people some people like it I'm not one of
0: Because people, like but like for instance when when the shit happened when, when Beyonce and Jay-Z had their infidelity and that
2: yeah
0: that took some time to create, but when lemonade came out, it was a specialty crafted uh it was a well experience. Story. Special a specialty crafted experience. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's so right, though. It's, it's a story. It's a, a real authentic story. That Beyonce so with
0: this story, I don't know album. what the fuck happened between her and Ghana. And a, better, like a, a better example that I'm more in tune with, sorry, um, a better example that I'm more in tune with is Butterfly. Butterfly tells me exactly what happened between Mariah and um, uh, that Tell baseball me. nigga. Oh, dear Gita. Derek Jeter, well, between breaking out yeah. Tommy and ex- finally experiencing her sexual awakening with Derek Jeter, you know, in her book, she says, you know, when I wrote the roof, she just le- she puts the lyrics in and she's and at the end of it, and she's like, and that's exactly what happened because that is exactly what happened. It's authentic mm-hmm. that's yeah. what's missing I
3: understand
2: this this wanting to be the sole producer, the sole, well, she's not the, she's not the only one, but she is, she does have majority of the creative control on this album. And I know it's praise to be the sole person, to be the producer, to be the songwriter, and to also to be the performer as well. Do you think that Chloe would benefit if she didn't have so much creative control over it? Like, just be a little bit more collaborative
0: if she was developed more like artistic development yeah yes I would love to hear because I think honestly that's an important phase for an artist mm. not to say that I don't like for them to be in control of their music because you get their best music when they gain control, like I, there's so many examples. Some, of that. some people, um, for most people, <laughs> well, for, you know, some people, most people, whatever. But I think you also get a lot of good work when they're under the micro, when they're under the pressure to mm-hmm. do it to an industry standard or like, what am I doing with yeah. this track? Like, I don't want to record um, someday. I don't want to record. No, no, no. I don't want to record, you know, but I am who I am. So I'm gonna make it do what it do. Right. I think that would have been an interesting error for her. You know, I, I don't want to say that I want, that it's, you know, it's good to have an error when you're not in control of your sound. Cause I don't think that. But, I
1: mean, but at the end of the day, we all this is G- what
0: you sound like when you're in control, maybe somebody else needs to take the reins.
1: But it's just like, we I mean, we all can't be Mariah Carey's and Dolly Parton's and Stevie Wonder's And,
2: right. and that's my thing That's my Tina thing, Marie's. like some, It's okay to be, it's okay to make an album or make a song with somebody else Like, it's okay to do that, but I feel like now we're in such a individualistic kind of music culture that being the sole person the sole creator on a a song or album is more praised than having you know 10 collaborators
1: i mean like that used to be sort of kind of the standard like uh, holland doja holland um that's the first people that came to mind but this whole idea of like doing things sort of kind of in a group you had like sort of kind of with how I run BMA not the plug but you know like whenever I have my thing my first thing is to come to y'all too and Matt yes I do most of it on my own but y'all I collaborate with y'all to get things done and it's just like (sighs) but even still when I'm thinking about some of these some of these artists, even like a Mariah, like the first, what, five, six years of her career, yeah, she was doing everything, but also she had, uh, uh, what is it, Ben Margley's to, an, to a degree, mm-hmm. uh, but Tommy was still coming in. Okay, that's that's nice, but we need to, like how he sort of kind of changed some of her songs, like, okay, we're gonna change it to this. We can keep your song, but let's let's move it around to this. You know, sometimes you need those extra people for quality control, because I don't know if there was too much of that.
0: For commercial purposes, you know, Um, and in everybody's case, it doesn't work like for Mariah, her having artistic control works. It's worked for several albums now. It works. For Chloe, um, someone needs we need a chaperone. That's evident. (laughs) We need. (laughs) you know, a buddy system. I, I just wondered, did she have any friends listening to the album? Because I know if I had sent that album to y'all and I said, Hey, this is, you know, I'm thinking this is what I want to release. Or if it was just one of the songs, on the album, you would be like, maybe we should go back to the drawing board. Like y'all would be real with me. I'm like, so was nobody real with her the whole time? You have and told you you have Missy Elliott on the album, so you know you have people who have significant music talent on the album, and yet this is what we ended up with. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, she had. That's yeah. That's another thing. She has so many opportunities and resources that she could, especially being on Parkwood and. With Columbia Records, there's so many people that she has access to that I feel like I'm I'm not for sure, but it seems as if she did not take that leap in trying to get that good feedback.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. that sort of kind of goes into what I was saying, earlier about you just this whole. Ever since she's going solo, everything seeming rushed. It seems like this this big rush to try to establish her as a solo artist before a holly comes in and sweeps yeah. with this Disney gear because it's very rare. I can't name too many times that a Disney that a Disney uh uh film or a Disney check or a Disney era has flopped. Wow. Like. True. <laughs> and so it's just like Disney eras make mega megastars. And I mean, just to be honest, like if Mermaid does what I think it's going to do, Hallie ain't never got to worry about not working again.
2: We can also see that with the promotion that's been set up for her. Like she's in these huge Spaces that Disney Disney has opens the doors for so many opportunities.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: she's in these huge spaces with all these executives of 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 television entertainment, of music entertainment. All these people that she's being introduced to. Yeah, she's set. <laughs> she's set, and they like her because she's very down to earth. She's very charismatic.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Are we getting a sense? soundtrack?
2: Her voice is very...
0: I'm sure we're going to get a soundtrack.
2: Yeah, we're going to get a soundtrack.
0: Oh,
1: it's over for the girls. It's over for all the girls.
0: Like, that's like, and this is such a, that's a big princess. It's a big movie. And if she does this right, and then follows this Disney era up with a good album era, we have a pretty big star on our hands. I, I, I truly believe that. And I again, I don't want to compare sisters, but if yeah. we think about momentum-wise, if you were going to release this kind of album, this could have come out in 2021 when Have Mercy was on the charts, if we're going to be honest. Because why did it take two years to produce this? If we're being really well- honest about that.
2: She said, I remember one time when Having Mercy came out, remember that it was going to be a part of a album. We don't know if it was going to be part of the In Pieces album, but it was going to be a part of a album. And then when somebody asked her on the live, what well, she was. Um, after she had previewed um, Surprise and Treat Me
3: mm-hmm.
2: and from other songs, I think Cheat Back was in that thing, but she said, oh, my album's done. But then somebody else asked her when it was going to come out. She said, oh, well, I'm making a new album. So I believe that In Pieces was the second album that she was making. So like there wasn't a lot of time between her announcing the debut from her going to, oh, my album's done to, oh, I'm making another album. So to me, it feels like, yes, it was rushed. And there wasn't a lot of time with this album. And we can kind of hear that and we can see can that, that there wasn't enough time. And the writing in
0: the production and the, you yeah. know, we, we were talking about, I think you mentioned it the other day, the, that the Harmony girls are locked down. Beyonce, Brandy.
1: Faith Evans, all the, Jasmine, not really Jasmine Sullivan, so she's a raw girl. But those girls who do Lana Del Rey, it's a harmony girl. It's a harmony girl. You know, like.
0: Um, and I'm not, I hate to say it, but these, it sounds sloppy on this album. Like the harmonies aren't huge. They're kind of ugly in a lot <laughs> of places. Um, and I don't want to be harsh with it, but like, if you're going to be that type of girl, it needs to sound lush, full cool, and beautiful, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't know if your voice isn't doing that, the production isn't, the mixing isn't doing that. Like, I don't know what's not doing that, but you're not meeting what we expect from a harmony girl, if that's (laughs) the girl you want to be. But again, it's like, what girl are we trying to be? You seem to be not trying to break the mold. You're trying to fit into a mold yet you, none of it is like, we put in squares and triangles, baby. Nothing's working.
1: (laughs) So my question now is for y'all is what each one of us, what would you where would you go from here? How do we clean this? I would Loki call this a mess of an era.
2: I feel like there's there, but there is time for saving. <laughs> there's a lot of
0: no this look, album.
2: There's there's time for saving.
1: The album or the era?
2: The era, not oh. the album. I find that. <laughs> the album is done. You know? so like if I, My thing is like, if I'm getting feedback, mostly on like the production side, um, the lyrics, what I'll do is the live show. Especially she's going on tour soon, right? Next week, I believe.
1: Yeah, next week.
2: The live show has to be totally different from what's on that record. It has mm-hmm. to be. There has to be some kind of like. I don't. I, I will put my energy <laughs> in the live show and just make it a, a completely different experience. Something that you would feel different than what you felt when you heard the album, and I feel like that would be the saving because the the studio album is already in stone. It's already on streaming, so you can't go back and change that. But you could control what it is that you're. Putting out there in the last show. And I think that's where my attention would be. But then after the last show is over, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm leaving for a good two to three years. And I'll come back with a I'll sophomore t- album that <laughs> I'll take the criticisms that I've gotten from the first album and come out with something a little bit much better than what I've already put out.
0: I agree. I think the. I think taking criticism is a big thing for Chloe that needs to happen because some of the responses to things, because honestly, some of it has been mean and some of it yeah. has been very harsh. A lot of it has um, been mean. Yeah. And I haven't like I don't, I'm not the type of person to go on Twitter and bash something. If I don't like it, I usually just won't share it or won't talk about it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we like we like Chloe. We actually do like Chloe. Yeah, we like her. So.
2: I actually do like Chloe. And that's why why we're talking about it.
0: But, and we want the best for her. So that's why we're talking about it. And I think this is a more constructive way than if I were to go on there and be like, bitch, why is your pussy out? Like, you Mm -hmm. know, like, I think that's not, (laughs) that's not constructive criticism. That's just, and it may be a thought that we're having, but it's not constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, and it's not going to be, not everything is received in the right manner when you convey it over social media as well. Okay. So the big thing for me with Chloe moving forward, what she needs to do is yes, ace these live shows. My my arrangements better be sickening. I better mm-hmm. have an I better have Ricky Minor on my list. <laughs> <laughs> better be my bodyguard era arrangements. The, yes. This better be an I better have nasty medley's. I bet you know like I need that type of production from the show. Like I don't know what type of budget she has for visuals and uh yeah. you know stage production, but you can do what you can do the best you can with what you got. I'm a firm believer mm-hmm. with that, with the stage, you know, if you know yeah. what you're doing, we've, t- we talked about this with the PowerPoint girls, the PowerPoint girls just need to hire a videographer to handle. And that can use for their whole, t- they can use that for their whole tour. Anyways, yep. side, that's a side note. But <laughs> and then after that, when we're taking on a new era, we need to really focus on what is a Chloe sound? What is yeah. a Chloe sound? What is not just, just, hypersexual and inauthentic like what it what it what do i sound like that's what she really needs to go in and think and am i meant for the mainstream am i meant to be a girl who's a producer am i meant to be the back-end girl am i meant to am i meant to grab my grammys and my oscars from my producing and writing credits is that maybe what i'm supposed to do maybe that's something i'm thinking about if i'm chloe um yeah, that's what I have for her. Like, reevaluate where I am because the album's selling triple tin foil, unfortunately. And is that unexpected? No, because if I was going to release this album specifically, I would have released it closer to twenty twenty one. Like, even Have Mercy came so late after the TikTok trend had come. Like the official he release did. of Have Mercy.
2: Yeah, it was actually, and that's my thing. Like, I was very confused about that because I think it was a birthday post that she did Have Mercy with and then it became a huge sound. Like, I feel like if that was a song, if you're teasing the song, it needs to come right after because Mm -hmm. it already took its course. People then already made challenges and it kind of like went on to something else. But you still need to release a song. But now everybody's kind of moved on. Yeah, that didn't make
0: sense to me. Everyone's moved on,
2: and then we, and then also the video that accompanied this teaser, people thought that that was going to be the visual for it. And then and you come out with this you come out with blonde, you know, blonde dreadlocks, and uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it was it was weird, like,
1: spread eagle on a front lawn, like
2: college prep kind a of freshly thing. Mowed
1: and, lawn. okay. <laughs> Fertilizer in the <laughs> puss. <laughs>
2: it was weird. Weird.
1: Well, in the public eye. You know, as much as people uh, uh, like sex and as much as sex sells. People also view sex as bottom of the barrel. And so. As it stands from a public standpoint, she's already at the bottom. So it's nowhere to go but up. but up. So if I were Chloe, I would sort of kind of take a page out of Nicki Minaj's book. um, That transition from Pink Friday to Pink Print, where she got rid of wearing the Tamagotchi and the whatever, you know, and she cleaned everything up. So there's still time for her to change that to change the image or to shed the overtly gimmicky sexual, whatever you want to call it. And um that'll be my first thing. And uh and I'm not saying she can't be sexual, but you know you can reel it in. You know, you can reel it in. Because I feel like if
2: she'll make a focal point Mm -hmm. of everything.
1: Just like Nicki Minaj's and the, what, the colored wigs or the whatever she was calling. but sort of like a Gaga, too. Like all that, the meat dress, everything was a spectacle. Remove that. Um, but those
0: were successful eras you're
1: comparing. You're
0: comparing success and intrigue to flop.
1: yes but we but my thing is we tend to we at one point in time i know a lot of people associated those theatrics with those artists luckily in their cases the music matched you know um but uh so i would do that but also i would either if she is as much of a producer and like a Process girl as they Said in their inner as Chloe And Holly said in their interviews I Wouldn't mind taking the Jasmine Sullivan Route because people were like well Jasmine Sullivan was gone for five six years well Yeah but Jasmine was also working And collecting gold records On everybody else's behalf you know, so if she's that kind of girl, you know, take especially while if this Disney ever pops off like it needs to or like it's going to, take them two years off and do something for the other kids and then, okay, once that Disney ever ends, come back out with your own personal project of what you've gone through for the past two, three years, you know, and I think that that would be a setup for success. And then also
2: That also worked with uh, Victoria. What's that? What's her name? Victoria Monet.
0: Victoria Monet.
2: Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. She,
2: She was writing for people for a very, very long time. And she's kind of just now getting her like solo spot. But the thing is, she had all that time, but she didn't waste it. You know what I'm saying? Like she when she when it was her solo time, Everything was on point from the sound, from the way she performed, uh, her visual aspects, everything was on point because she used that time that she was not in the spotlight to create who it is that she wanted to present through her art. And I feel like that's the kind of thing that Chloe, not even just Chloe, like other uh, new artists need to do is to give themselves time to create. Not just give themselves time to establish who they are as an artist first and then come out in the spotlight. And it would it would do more good than just rushing a project, just trying to be at the front uh so quickly.
0: It's just and like- I had literally just said this to Malik the other day about Victoria Monet and the like the juxtaposition between Chloe and and Victoria Monet, because seeing... Honestly, what you think Chloe should be right now is exactly what Victoria Monet is right now. This album, Jaguar. Now, I'm not saying it's the biggest era that's ever happened, but it is a. It's an era that she's stuck with, which is something we talked about. She's stuck with this era. The visuals are cohesive. The sound is cohesive. The album is good. It's unique to her. It doesn't really sound like it has influences. Obvious, the influences from the 70s on this album is apparent, but it sounds like Victoria Monet. The performances are curated in a way, almost I want to say, similar to the way that Chloe and Holly were cu- curating their performances in the pandemic. You know, that type of artistry only comes from. The experience she would have gained work at writing for everyone else. And she's wr- she's written so many hits for Ariana Grande, to, to say the least. Like she's written a bunch of her hits at this point in time. So she knows something. what sells. And she's written for Chloe and Halle. Yep. So she I think knows, do she it. knows what works.
1: Same thing, I think. Money Long is another one of those yes. girls that collected her check from the from the writing, and not she write for other people. Yes,
2: she wrote for other people. But I, what I was gonna say is that Money Long's outside of hours and hours and another song is not good.
1: Oh, the album isn't good. Mm, oh, to God. me, it's enjoy not. it.
0: Uh, it's not my favorite thing I know a lot of people who do enjoy it, the sound mm-hmm. the visuals are also off it's it's not the same thing that Victoria is giving okay. Victoria' is giving right. the whole package where <laughs> visuals sound everything is going together we just need the right the right moment for her to pop is mm-hmm. really what she needs mm-hmm. now money has had her moment to pop but You know, I don't know if you've watched like the Hours and Hours music video and Time Machine music video and seen some of the the things from from that era. It's not necessarily cohesive. Does she have something there? I think she has something there. Mm -hmm. I think everything isn't in line. Everything isn't aligned, but there's something there that like if we go back to Chloe, isn't right now.
1: Yeah.
2: So, at least she has a sound. She can. Yeah. You can always get the. You can always get the visual later.
1: Yeah. But if somebody mm-hmm.
2: knows that you have a concrete sound, I feel like that's enough. Mm-hmm. But don't have a sound. You don't have a visual. You don't got nothing. Then it's like there's no way for you to progress when it comes to the listener.
0: Oh, so she wrote a no no. Yes, I was gonna say, actually. I think she worked worked on a distance on the distance too.
1: Mm. And she has a nice list of credits. And I mean, and like I said, there is nothing wrong with that being a behind the scenes. You know. Oh, she wrote "Tiptoe." That was my one of my favorite songs on Tamar's album. Oh, Tamar's <laughs> album.
2: I didn't know she wrote that.
1: that yeah. a- <laughs> I didn't No, that either. Don't, uh,
0: <laughs> I wish I could rearrange this era for Chloe, but I have, I, I don't have anything for this album, unfortunately, except for Body Do. I don't. And unfortunately, that has the only, that's the only one that has only a visualizer, not a music video. If I was... And it's just, the visualizer is just epilepsy. Like, I it's can't that, actually watch I... it because it hurts my eyes.
2: You don't have a video for body do?
0: No. No, it's literally just her in front of like a wall like this in a crop, a cropped bralette and skirt and and a lot of flashing lights. I can't I can't watch it because my eyes.
2: No choreography, no nothing. Just her. No.
0: Wow. It's a, and I'm like, I was hoping visualizer meant that maybe they would shoot a music video for it. You no know,
2: visualizer this is a thing visualizer <laughs> uh music video lyric video right we have these three the mm-hmm. visual content mm-hmm. the visualizer is for spotify canva it's for apple music canva it's for social media reels that's what that's for Because now, like, you know, on Instagram now, photos rarely get as much attention as, like, the reels do. So, like, they have to some kind of visual element to say, oh, this song is here. Besides just posting, like, a cover, the cover art, right? The music video is, is what we know as it is traditionally. It's the music video. The lyric video is put in place for them, to learn the song, and also to know that the song is out there before you put out the video. So all these three elements change with the way that the algorithm changes, the way that the music platform changes when it comes to like promoting the song and marketing and all the other stuff. So visual is not really like set in stone. It's like, oh, the, the song is here. Please look at this. But in most
1: cases, when an artist like puts an official visualizer on the page, it's also meant to like suffice as uh the music video. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. I know, like, because I know we have, like you said, the visualizer, the music video, the lyric video. And sometimes we just have like the YouTube song playlist video, like where it's just the album cover and the song. So yeah. we do all of that to get streams for YouTube, because I know that YouTube streams count less than every other streaming platform. Um, so you have to have all those different things. So like, Oh, let me, let let me click on this. Oh, let me see if this is something new, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's just like to have a song like that, like, I can't, like when, when you have people listening to your album, Sometimes it baffles me, the choice, the decisions that are made. So I know there are several people that have to listen to this body of work, have to listen to your single choices. And I don't know how they come to the conclusions that they do sometimes, because anyone can tell you that that's a hit right there. Yeah, minus the intro. Anyone can tell you, minus the intro. Like anyone would tell you, hey, (laughs) pop that part, and then that's a hit.
2: And this you know, is also like her not having, and this is a dance song. And when you have dance songs, you have to have some kind of Beyonce. I'm not talking about like, you, but <laughs> you, have
0: these? To,
2: right, you have to have some elements of excitement going on, whether that's choreography, whether that's whatever. It has to have a visual with it because people want to see, they want to see this song in fru- in fruition. Now, what? uh What were we talking about?
1: <laughs> it, this being a dance song with no visuals, because I feel like one of the reasons why I do it was uh, a as I'm gonna call it a, like a almost hit because they can't help they released it during the pandemic, but I still remember what was <laughs> the. the
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly
1: but just imagine if we were out able to get out during the summer and yes
0: do that <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> like, there were there were certain songs during the pandemic that i know that were hits anyway but i know had this had been a normal time it would have been like a nasty moment like people yeah. would have been and there are certain and like you were saying, with the with the shoulders, there are certain songs that you know, like if somebody mm-hmm. does a certain movement, you're gonna be exa- taken right back to that moment. If I flip my hand in a certain way, you're t- I'm taking you right back to single ladies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know? Even so that's Tony why Martin the dance little- element can be so, hmm? Oh, the- Wait, wait—the Tony. <laughs> yeah, you know the the <laughs> hit, the arm. Yeah. It takes you yeah. back to that moment, and that—that that, you know, it doesn't happen for every dance song, but yeah. you know. But I do me, think it's that's silly. an essential element.
1: I think it's silly to release a dance song with no video in a climate where everybody's consuming dance music right now.
0: Mm. Hello.
1: You You are not Beyonce,
0: unfortunately.
1: I mean, at least
0: release a whole house album or a whole dance record and not have some type of visual. If
1: she was smart, she would have marketed this to the gays. Body do to the gays.
0: You know, the gays have an almighty dollar.
2: But that's all that that also tells us that like you don't have content for after the album is released besides (laughs) That tells me that you didn't, y'all didn't, as a team. Not just Chloe, but as a team, didn't think about post-release and barely even thought about pre-release. Because what did we get? Nothing, right? We got the singles, a video with Chris Brown, and that was it.
0: And I think the album got, is the day of the album release. We got cheap back, and I think we only got that video because Future is on the song so they wanted to exactly. probably capitalize on his name and yeah. use and, and put that as a video that's the only reason they invested in that
2: if it's not already body do is going to be trending on tiktok and i feel like i feel like you can just listen to a song and know that it's going to trend oh. especially something like body do like that's that's so that's it's it's a, it's so particular in its, in its vibe that you know that that's gonna blow up on TikTok. So like the fact that they did not get ahead of that before this is
0: crazy. And you know, this is something interesting because I know y'all don't listen to K-pop, but K-pop has a lock on basically those companies know all the social media forms. They know how to make something pop. So if there's a chance that it can happen, they're gonna do it. So for instance, BTS, the biggest K-pop group ever, biggest K-pop group right now. They're all doing solo work right now. Every time they release a song, they release multiple videos with other like famous K-pop people. Some people not even on their label that will be doing a challenge to like a dance challenge to that song or a particular part of that song. They already uh, carve it out that we're gonna make this happen. So if it pops off or if it does, if it just pops up with the, with the army, it pops up with the army. If it goes viral, it goes viral, which they've had that happen several times. Like it's a, they know the formula. And so they do yeah. every step of the social media process to get it going. For them. So, you know, it's a it's like a work ethic that's kind of not in the American mindset of of American musicians. That, you know, they don't they don't get ahead of it. They kind of catch it if like like if an American song jumps off on TikTok, it's usually some usually black kid in their house, made up a cool dance to it and then boom, or made up a little funny trend to it and then boom. That's usually how it happens on our end. On their end. They get ahead of these and things. They make it happen.
2: Yeah. They and make it, make it
0: happen. happen. They encourage their stands to do dances to it, which encourages influencers to do dances to it, which encourages other people to, like, oh, you know, let me, well, let me go listen to the song, one. And then also, let me figure out how to do that dance to it. You yeah. know, there's a challenge for every jet. Now, I'm not saying that that's like a perfect methodology. Yeah. But I'm saying, you know, it's an effort you're
2: that... Trying to
0: out there. You're trying to At do least. something. It's They have their ear to the ground on yeah. it. Yeah.
1: So.
0: But anyway, we've talked about Chloe for way too damn long.
1: We've been on oh, yeah, here for... we talking
2: about Chloe for like an hour and a half.
1: <laughs> I, I feel like we can, we can wrap it up. <laughs> we can.
0: We can wrap up. Um, but I just want to say, and I, th- I feel like that goes to show that we think there's something in this girl.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: There's something there that is not getting, I don't know if it's on her end, the label. I don't know what what aspect is completely out of whack, but something or multiple aspects of her production team are completely out of whack with what she should be doing. It's, it's, it's just like it's sad to I see think talent go down the drain
1: I think I and this will be my like my summary of my thoughts and feelings on the album and of everything that's happened in the solo career as a lead. I think solo Chloe as a solo artist can best be summed up as um, we were rooting for you. We were all rooting <laughs> for you. I have yes. never in my life yelled at a girl like this.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, you see these hate tweets, Chloe. You turn around and you look at the mirror, and you take some accountability for yourself. <laughs> like that's, yeah. I mean, in, in the midst of all exactly. the hate, that is the common thread that I get from it. Is we were all, she's not like these other girls, and we were all rooting for her. Yes,
2: and that's why we have some. That's why our expectations are so high because we know that she's super talented. We know what she can do, but the thing is, she's just not doing it. You're not doing it, girl. You're if not doing it. The material
0: isn't that. there. And I have to say, like, if it's not there by the next era, because I, I honestly don't know after a project like this if she's going to get dropped as a solo artist. They still Be- do that. They still do that. So they, gonna, that. they will drop you. Or shelve you. And, and and most times they might shelve you because you know a lot of a lot a lot of these record labels will just hold on to people so someone else can't get a hold of them, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: If we see that happen, I wouldn't be necessarily surprised. Record labels record record labels respond to sales and sales only.
1: Yeah yeah i mean i and this ain't this ain't the 70s 80s 90s anymore you can't release one or two flop albums and then they wait for you to get a hit on the third if you ain't coming out the gate swinging like that you know you ain't no nancy wilson shit, not even a margie joseph (laughs) (laughs) or shirley brown <laughs> like,
3: Last night and night
1: but I feel like
3: okay, just walk the floor.
1: I feel like she may get one more shot. I'm I'm sort of kind of confident that. She'll get one more shot. She has too many people. She has access to too many resources and too many people in her corner. I mean, at the end of the day, she has Beyonce in her corner. She'll get another shot. Now, what she does with that one. I is don't know. that enough, though?
0: Because I mean, Beyonce is a big artist, but I ha- we have seen artists who have been backed by huge superstars who they get their one chance and it's not enough. They get signed kind of to that artist's offshoot label of their main label because I I'm pretty. Chloe's under like Parkwood isn't she yeah
2: Parkwood like, yeah
0: and they get their shot and that because we've had Whitney Houston produce acts didn't go anywhere. we've had Mariah Carey Mariah Carey produced Trey both times didn't go anywhere but her group you did. know we've had her produce huh but her group did. She did have a group that kind of did a little something, but they got, they went with platinum.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I don't think it should be an end all Michael Jackson had a brownstone went platinum Mm -hmm. or double platinum out the gate. I don't think it's a, uh, it's a guarantee, but it gives you a head start that is incomparable to many artists and it's up for you. (laughs) It's the equivalent of, how can i see it it's the equivalent in my opinion of sissy houston being your mother it doesn't guarantee you success but it it gives you a head start and from there you have to do the work mm-hmm. so
0: hopefully she does it no right. well anyways i guess that we're, concludes get... our section of hot topics <laughs> We've we've only hit two, surprisingly. (laughs) I
2: know we went somewhere else on the first one.
0: um, I think it's 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 been a moment. It's been a moment that is most pleasing to me. These these moments. (laughs) So we're back with listener letters. So I, as we're just starting this, I requested on some of the social media platforms a couple of questions or juicy opinions from the stands and we would weigh in on those opinions and or questions answer a couple um, before we get up out of here so this is this is one of my faves aquariums aquarium spam they they gave me they gave me an opinion and then they also gave me an explanation. So I'm gonna give you the opinion and explanation. Out of all of the Vocal Trinity members, Celine is the most well-rounded of them all. As far as Celine goes, when it comes to all aspects of singing, Whitney and Mariah seem to have at least one weak area. For example, Whitney's lower register and Mariah's head voice. Celine excels at both of these. Aside from raising the larynx, and straining sometimes. See, she she seems to have to not have many flaws. Out of all of the Trinity, her and Whitney have the best belts, head voice, and dynamics. And Celine and Mariah have the best agility and lower register, with Celine's lower register being the best.
1: How do you feel about that? I don't feel any way about it. I mean, these are the kind of, <laughs> it sounds like a Celine stand. First off, and uh, actually,
0: Beyonce stand.
1: A Beyonce stand. Um, I mean, these are the kind of comments you get from, like, and I never mind because I don't even know what to say because I can't. The diva gaze and the the vocal gaze that's a very vocal gay comic, you know, because you didn't say it, like saying Whitney had no low notes when she did a whole. Alloway. You know, like, come on now. What? But I'm gonna just edit that out. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm not really a Trinity Stein, so I can't really weigh in.
2: It's hard to give an opinion, especially one I don't listen to Selene that much, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure where she is strong in her in her vocals or where she is weak in her one. The other thing is when we're talking about vocal technique it's very scientific right mm-hmm. so there is there there's never unless you sit down and really analyze each individually each individual voice there is no way that you can come to a clear a clear conclusion about who is better than the other right that's very hard to measure And I would like to add
1: on to that, that people generally think whoever they prefer of said group is the best technician. Now, the truth of the matter is opera singers, voice teachers, whomever, the, the, the pop singers they look to when it comes to technique for having a great voice from top to the bottom is Whitney Houston, Patti LaBelle, and... So I'm Aretha Franklin, but Whitney Houston is generally everybody's go-to for what it means to have to sing and to sing well and to produce healthy sounds. So I mean that comment just sounds like their opinion, you know. So that's that.
0: I get what you're saying with that. The vo- I I don't I also hate the term vocal trinity, to be honest. I was trying to look up when it, where it came from a while ago. And I guess it came from the forum era um, of early, like earlier internet, the early 2000s. It comes from the forum era. When I was looking back, that like the furthest back that I could see it being said amongst the people were maybe like 2006 on the forums, from the forums that are still up and the websites and blogs that are still up. Um, so I don't necessarily like that term because I I just, I get why we group them together, but, um, I don't necessarily like that. They also have very different, uh, very different music, very different audiences. They all are international girls. Celine being honestly the biggest international girl, but... You can't deny that Whitney and Mariah have a like Mariah more so in like Asia, Whitney more so in Europe, you know, have these giant international influences um, on the musical community.
1: Um, Somebody tried to say journalists would call them the vocal trinity. I was like vocal trinity is not something that a journalist would see. That just does not seem like somebody who went to school to say no, no, no no, <laughs> no, 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 like it's that doesn't <laughs> went to school, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Like, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, if I had to say the most versatile, maybe I would go with I, w- I would agree with Celine because mm-hmm. Celine has some Whitney sounding material, Celine also has some Mariah sounding material, Celine has her. Whatever you want, her own material, and then she does other stuff. So, I mean, I guess I can see that. Yeah.
0: I guess they're saying Celine is the most technically proficient of the three. And uh, that's hard to say. No. And again...
1: No. It's, it's very it, you know. it
0: would be Whitney Whitney has so many other external things that affect the voice so we don't know where she would be today had those mm-hmm. external issues. Now Celine is without those external issues you know thankfully. Well, and Mariah is a whole different case because her voice is kind of an anomaly.
1: We know who has the who's not the least technical of the bunch you know, but that's neither here nor there.
0: Someone asked on the YouTube question forum, what does the term free mean in, sing- in singing versus support or resonance?
1: Um, it generally, something you'll notice, especially as it concerns like technique, Um and pedagogy is people will use the same word uh, to describe different things, or people will use different things to describe the same thing. So free, resident, supported are basically all the same thing. A resident sound is going to be supported, a resident sound is also going to be free. If you want to know what that sounds like, listen to Whitney Sivel, that C sharp and greatest love of all. It's just uh it's a it's a it's just a big open sound nothing is getting in the way it's just like it just flows out i mean that's the best way i mean you know it when you hear it it just sounds natural it just comes out look at the throat can you see the back of their throat
0: that's a good indication yeah that it's quite free
1: like you can hear it you can just because something sounds good doesn't mean it's produced well, you know. But when something is really free, you know. And again, that's it's why Almost any goes
0: Dion through. performance, and that's free. Oh, mm-hmm.
2: like there's a balance there. And then also, like, uh, even if it's like a bell or, or anything like that, there's always going to be a ring mm-hmm. attached. Like it's it's open, it's big, it's booming, but there's also a ring to it. It's like almost like a mini, I don't want to say echo, but like it bounces off. Yeah, doesn't
1: it? Mm-hmm. So, like, like yeah. Shirley Bassey is a great example of that. Like it's like they, they call, swallowed um, the mic.
0: Yeah, they call <laughs> uh, what's that lady? I don't know her music too well, but whenever I see clips of her, it's like. The sound is just bouncing off of every brain cell. Uh, Oh, what's her name? They call her The Ring. Uh, Tiago.
1: Laura. Laura Fabian. Oh, Laura Laura Fabian. Fabian. Yeah. She sort of sounds like a lower Celine. Yeah. It's
0: just when she opens her mouth. It's just every everything is it's reverberating off of your bones. Yeah. That's what a free what that's what free sounds like. Yeah. So all right. We have one more. Okay. It starts with call me delusional, but Beyonce might have the best vocal technique in contemporary music. From tone and emotiveness, which I know are both subjective. One can't really name a glaring flaw in her technical prowess. Every era, every area of her voice is developed to some extent. She has a wide supported range, incredible agility, operatic sounding head voice. She keeps a neutral larynx and has incredible breath control, smooth vocal transitions, and can do different dynamics and has a great lower register. Beyonce is a complete package.
1: I feel like they 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 acquired all the way they string words together. Again, you can tell they got all that from a YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> what
2: hey, Beyonce? I mean, like,
1: that I mean that's not a knock, but you can you can tell people who when they say certain things that they've gotten it from. The YouTube yeah,
2: video. You can. you can. It's okay. So Beyonce, she definitely is one of, I wouldn't say she's a soul, like the only person in the contemporary era to have a well-developed voice, but she is one of them.
1: Yeah, I was yeah, saying... and what are you defining as contemporary music or what genre or whatever? Cause it's just like and you generally notice this with stands or in the vocal community or even in conversations on Twitter. People, when they refer to contemporary, they're generally just talking about a very, very wow. Yeah, it's just like not realizing that the canon of music and the the oh, the spectrum of artists, mm-hmm, you know, is is so wide, so wide. So
0: I think I think I think because I mean Beyonce is probably the biggest pop star on earth um, at this point right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we have to be talking about in the realm of pop, she's the best developed voice.
1: I mean you got um, Lady Gaga
0: and I would still say Beyonce is the best if if even including Lady Gaga I would still say that
2: Lady Gaga is the Judy Garland era
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and the thing is it's not even like it's not even like peak Judy Garland it's <laughs> <laughs> It's oh, like, is she?
1: Is she? In, is she? Which Judy is? She, you know the one that used <laughs> to that
2: grow. era of Julie Garden. Like it's like the last era. The last. I don't know. What do you call it? Like the era before well, her decline. It's,
1: like. it's It's
0: in the, like Liza, Liza Minnelli era. You know. Yes. Li-
2: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yes, Liza Minnelli. Dale. <laughs>
0: Let's get it <laughs> in, <my body. laughs> in this i still
2: That's cannot the believe that that is real <laughs> i swear like i thought that was ai when i first heard it like,
0: not her and mary like, j blige being best friends for real
2: i didn't know that, that was real i thought somebody was just being wow i didn't know that it was real <laughs>
0: and yeah it's it's kind of funny because i remember me and my friend were like oh we'd love i really love to go to a we were talking about really loving and go to a jazz residency by uh uh, lady gaga and then i remember hearing that performance of love for sale and i was like and we both looked at each other and we were like ah.
1: oh yeah, I was thinking about going to that residency too, but then I was, and then I saw the price of the tickets, and I was like, you know what? We good on that.
0: (laughs) Maybe not. I would, I mean, I still would have loved to see her in that radio, when they did that Radio City performance and it was like the final farewell to Tony Bennett. I think I would have loved to see that.
2: Okay. For Tony Bennett, but not for Lady Gaga. Yeah.
0: I mean, yes, for obviously for Tony Bennett. And, you know, just to see Gaga in that element, I think would be fun too. And, you know, it's Tony's, that was so sad. I don't know if y'all watched that little, they did a little special on him and his, like the, how the dementia is ex- affecting him. And it, it it doesn't really affect his musical ability. It's like, that's something that's hard wired into his cement memory.
3: Besides.
2: There's been a lot of studies that say that music, no matter what happens to your brain, mm-hmm. music will always be there. Like, that will be your only, like, I guess, memory, whatever. It's ingrained in us. Like, that's, and that's,
0: I think I'll be singing Vision of Love to the Day I Die, you know, word <laughs> for word. Like, you know, cause I think you, you have to think how much time we spend with music daily. Like someone like you, you, I, and Malik, like you, me, Malik, we are constantly listening to music, constantly involved with music content. But even like the everyday person is also constantly enveloped with music. You listen to the radio in the car or you have your CDs in the car, depending on how old you are. Most likely you have your Bluetooth connected (laughs) and you're listening on spotify when you clean the house you have music going you know it brings back certain memories yeah never too much early in the morning while you're cleaning the house you know like those things never leave you i did always uh, around
1: in my psychology class we learned that we make um most of our memories if not all of them And the way we make connections to things are through music and through smell. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Our memories are connected through music and through smell. Mm -hmm.
0: That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Mm Why? Because I I could. mm, Let me not tell my business. (laughs) 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 But but music, for for sure, for sure. Because there's not a. not the song in my playlist that can't take me back to something, to a moment.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yep. Every time I hear a diva's uh, "Until You Come Back to Me," I remember that night in July 2015 when my man told me he ain't want me no more, and then I got in my 1988 Chrysler LeBaron with the plush. Uh, uh, it was. It was a uh, suede seats. It was a burgundy. So yes, it was. It was sweet <laughs> seeds because my grandfather gave it to me, and the first song I played because it didn't have a radio, so I just played music on my phone, and I just put my phone on shuffle, and that was the first song that played. And every time I hear it, that's the thing I think about. I f- briefly feel that feeling, and I just imagine riding down the highway after he told me he did not me no more. Mm-hmm. That's not funny.
2: It's not funny, but like the way it was introduced,
0: it's just like, and why did you have a 1988?
1: My my grandfather gave it to me. Like there was a time like, like my grandfather, there was like this period of like five, ten years when literally everybody in our family had the same car. It was like you know how some people trust it. You know, like some families yeah. go by. Uh, they swear by Honda Accords or Toyota Camrys. He swore by the nineteen eighty eight Chrysler LeBaron, and we that all had them. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. We all had them, and he has one till this day. It's <laughs> so. a core,
0: a core memory from college, and I know this is also a core memory for everybody on my floor. Specifically, my roommate and my sweet mate. Um, I would play three different versions of at full blast, "Vision of Love" and "Emotions" every day for fresh of freshman year in the dorms. Every, every day, different. I would play. Th- I would play the studio version of each. Well, actually, I don't think I played the studio version of "Emotions" because I've never really liked the studio version of "Emotions" compared to the lives. The live is just better. The key is just better. It's just better. But a vision of love, I play the studio version. I play two thousand five. I'd play, I'd play um, MSG, and then emotions. I would play. I was real gay because this was, this is when the sweet sweet fantasy tour was going on too. So I would play uh, uh, Paris twenty sixteen. I would play um, MTV Unplugged and I would play um, Cologne 2000. <laughs> I'd, uh, I, I'd, I'd, eat, I'd eat it up. I'd eat it up. And that's like a core memory from college, me terrorizing the entire floor with, with Mariah, Mariah Carey. Or I remember <laughs> the first Whitney song that I got hooked on again after she died because I wouldn't listen to Whitney for a long time and I did not turn off all the men that I need. That's actually when I discovered cold ninety three.
1: 93. I think it's time to cut it. Cause you know, once Sherrod get started on cold in 93, we're going to hear another hour and he'll be like why didn't they release that date all the dates
0: if you have a comment or question i would like to open the floor to you for the next episode so either leave a comment under this video um and hashtag it listener letter or send an email to the pop at at gmail.com with your letter or your question. It can be a juicy opinion. It can be a question about anything musical. Hell, it could be a question about us. I don't know. Whatever you feel like talking to us about and we'll discuss it on the next episode. Well, um, I think this has been a successful first episode of the Records in the Attic, the podcast featuring... The Attic, Dion Warwick Archive, Black Music Archive. I'd like to thank them for coming along with me and agreeing to do this with me. This is something I'd like to do, like, maybe once a month. Once if you a can, month. If, okay. we, if schedules permit. I mean, I feel um, like we can do once a month. Yeah. Because I didn't expect to be able to get, I honestly didn't expect to be able to get this much content from one, one recording.
2: Sure, we've been sitting here for about five hours,
1: nigga. Least- two and a half hours. Uh, I the boast that was dealing with damn Chloe. <laughs> no dinner, no bathroom break. Okay, it's goddamn hot in here.
0: no, 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 no. Don't do this because we started at six o'clock. It is nine eighteen. Oh okay so don't do this to me we weren't be- we weren't sitting here for 5 hours that's 3 hours and 18 minutes don't do me. we were here for three like like, hours um, and i was and yeah,
2: I- you showed up late
0: <laughs> cuz you now i was i was trying to deal with my technical i was trying to get my technical stuff down jesus but i'd like to thank everyone for watching the show. And if you're listening on Spotify, or Apple Music or wherever you listen to pod- podcast, thank you so much for listening to us. Um, and I guess we're gonna leave you, I wanted to leave with a little recommendation, a little musical recommendation. So hopefully by next time you have gone and listened to this album or this song that we're gonna recommend. So Jada, do you have a suggestion for the kids?
2: You know, I've been listening to Coco Jones, uh simple with the baby face so
0: i think that's a really good
2: a really good contemporary r b song Ooh,
0: okay i'll give that a listen i haven't heard of that how about you
1: malik um, song or album i I'll, I'll recommend life by wild orchid oh fergie's group yeah, that's like, that's one of my most listened to songs. It is my most listened to song. It's, it's sort of kind of like where I'm at right now. So life, yeah.
0: Okay. I'm going I'm to go with, um, I know our viewers probably don't listen to a lot of K-pop or anything, which I feel like K-pop is a is a term that isn't, that needs to be changed because it, it really just denotes that they're Korean. It's not really the style of music. Um, but um, Namjoon or RM released an album called um, Indigo. And I think everyone should give that a listen. If you are more the R&B pop girl, I would suggest starting with the song Closer from that album. Um, and someone you might know is also on that album. The first track is called Yun Y U N, and it's featuring Erica Badu. So, those kind of vibes. I think you should give it a listen if you haven't. You like R and B music? There's a lot of fusion on that album. You know, he is a rapper. You know, and ex- explore another side because you know. I feel like over here, we, we aren't as open to listening to music from other languages as other countries are listening to our music in English. Um, but that's change because there's a lot of good music out there from all over the world. So, you know, if you get the chance, listen to Indigo by RM. All right, so I'd like to thank my co-hosts for coming up with me, my good friends, my good Judies. <laughs> have fun at the Reba concert I wish I could come with you this week um, and we will see you next time All right, bye
1: right. okay. so I got I wasn't recording I thought I was recording
3: definitely <laughs>